If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything that you need all in one place. Let me tell you about it. Anchor has all the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, it can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, it is totally free. So, go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We are live. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Another beautiful Friday night. I am joined by a harem of men here. Yes, I said harem of men. Beautiful men at that, too. I mean, we got beautiful beards. We got Ben, who's, I mean, he's Ben and whatever. And then we got Mikey here, too. And, dude, I mean, this is just a a good-looking bunch of guys, if I've ever seen a good-looking bunch of guys. But tonight we are, uh, so what? (laughs) What are you implying? I'm implying a lot of things, Maki. You know exactly what I'm implying. Um, so, dude, so I got a feeling that this is seriously going to probably go off the rails at some point tonight. Like, this is going to go completely off the rails. It's going to be wild, but it's going to be fun as hell. And I'm really excited to have you guys here. Um, so, Maki, everybody should know you because, like, if they're into my channel and they're into real fishing, then they're into Maki balls. I don't care what anybody says. Dude, you're an OG in the YouTube world. You're an absolute freaking hammer, as the title implies. Like, what does your world look like right now, and how are you doing? And introduce yourself to anybody that is living under a rock and doesn't know you. It made me feel like I'm really important. You I'm are not, really important. I, yeah, not really. I mean, but, but hey, because, uh, dude, I'm hanging out in Florida. I'm hanging out with my boy. This is Jacob Wall. He's actually fishing the MLF Big Five on Lake Okeechobee now, and he's making it into day three, uh, which is a big deal. But we're hanging out in Florida. We're doing two of the opposite things. He's fishing Okeechobee. I'm fishing my deep water stuff. (laughs) And um, it's actually my last few days down here in Florida, and I'm headed back to Alabama, which, speaking of that, we need to set up a date. I need to come and see you and your beautiful beard because I want to catch some fish up by you or meet in the middle or do something like that and shoot some video absolutely i'm, I'm like 1000% down it's a uh, building it's, building on that really quick just set kind of ground rules you guys are not able to talk about okeechobee in the chat uh jacob because he's fishing day three if we see the word okeechobee we're moderating and so please for jacob's sake and for the sake of this chat don't mention okeechobee or what's going on i will channel. personally come drive find you and kick your ass if you do <laughs> Now, if you screw this man's opportunity up to do well in this tournament, I will find you. Okay, period. End on stop. I love you guys. You guys are like so like intermeshed. You have like the stoic band, you know, and then you have like the enforcer, dude. Alex coming in there. Like, I got this is, this is why it works. This is exactly why it works. So, so it's let me tell you something beautiful. Let me tell you something beautiful. But yes, to go back, Maki, yes, we need, I want to get together. I want to fish. We need to make that happen. But I'll never forget this one time. We're at ICAST and Someone, something, somebody said something kind of cross to Ben, and I say, "All right, let's go, let's go over there, let's go talk to him. I'm going to kick his ass." And Ben's like, "No, no, 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 no." I was like, "No, no, no, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go over there. We're going to, we're going to have a conversation with him." And he's like, "Ben's like, no, 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 it's okay." I was like, "No, I'm going to go kick his ass." He goes, "No, Alex, 
Let's go talk to his ass. And I was like, okay, that sounds probably a little more civil and I probably won't end up in jail. So yes. Yeah. Me and Ben are total opposites. He's like the calm collected one. And I am, I am, yeah, the yeah. enforcer this, you know, there's a lot of pent up aggression in this beard, I guess. But speaking of another beautiful beard is my, the man to, I guess my left, your right. Ooh, I don't that's know. confusing. It is. I don't like it. Justin, how you doing, buddy? And introduce yourself for all the people, because you were supposed to be known on my channel and we were supposed to make a bunch of videos together, but you broke my leg. <laughs> I broke your freaking leg. He That's, broke my uh... leg. This is the man that did it. So <laughs> tell everybody um, about yourself. I, I, my name's Judd. I'm in uh, North Carolina. Uh, I've caught a handful of bass, I think, in my life. I think they were bass. Mostly, mostly saltwater stuff. Man, huge, huge fan of your channel. Followed it for a long time and uh, kind of known all these other guys through your channel and, and, and love your content. And I don't ever watch any like saltwater fishing stuff. I'm always, I never bass fish, but that's what I love to watch is bass fishing on YouTube. And so yeah. it's kind of funny how it all plays out, but, but yeah, stoked to stoked to hang out and talk tonight. Well, cool. Well, cool. I feel yeah. kind of like the misfit, but we'll see. How hey, that's, dude, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, uh, we need to, at some point during the year, we're going to get back together and this time we're not going to break, break your other leg. leg. Yeah, no, we're not gonna. That one's broke. So the left one's been broke. The right one's been broke. Let's broke no break. No more legs. No more all arms. Right, right. I want nothing else broke. Okay, because I have to say this one. This one sucked like really bad. So let's not do that again. But it was, yeah, it so was gnarly. It was, dude. That was a fun ride up and a fun ride down. It was that sudden impact at the bottom that really mm. that really got me, dude. That was and that then was I got a rough the hook. day offshore. That was very yes. rough. Yeah, and then I got hooked through the finger. Oh, oh yeah. So, okay. So here's what happened. So it happened twice that day. The second time twice actually broke his leg. Yeah. So we get out, we're deep sea fishing. Um, Judson's got some buddies over on the coast that is he a guide or he just owns that? No, no, no. He's just, he just, he likes to play. All right. So (laughs) dude got a lot of money and he does like to play obviously. And so he, you know, Jug got us all hooked up with this guy and we go offshore and we ended up going what, like 20 miles offshore or something like that. Yeah. We were planning on going Wahoo fishing. So we we're going to run like 60, 70 miles offshore. And then it was way too rough. So we ended up about 25 miles off the beach. Yeah. And so we're out there and like, when I say the waves are, are huge, it's like taking this 40 foot boat and just like tossing it around. Right. And so we're out there, we're fishing, we're doing our thing. Well, on the run out, I go flying the first time when we hit this big wave <laughs> and I hit the deck of the boat and I'm like, "Woo, that was a fun ride. You know what I mean? Like I was like, whatever. So we get up, we're running to this other spot and we hit another wave and I go up. And when I go up this time, they, there was a bunch of stuff like sitting on like this console on the back of the boat. Right. And so you got to imagine there's like the, the, the like cockpit of the boat. It's got dual seats and, you know, where you drive the boat. And then behind that is like this console. So I'm holding on behind this console. When we hit this wave, <laughs> all these mackerel hooks come floating up in my face. And so I, what's your gut reaction? You put your hands up in front of your face. Well, when you put your hands up in front of your face, you let go of the boat. And when the boat's going 40 miles an hour this way and the wave's pushing you back this way, I just go flying. And dude, when I come down, I landed right on my leg and I ended up snapping my uh, fibula. And so oh, did I broke you hear it. Yeah, dude. It was like a it was an audible like crunch and pop. Oh, yeah. And bad. like immediate immediately and took a hook through the hand all the way through the oh, hand. Yeah, exactly. yeah that's what happened to the hooks, dude. Yeah, so the hook <laughs> went and I keep forgetting about it, honestly, because like it was like the last of my worries because my leg was hurting so bad. But the hook went through my finger all the way through and actually stuck in this other finger. Well, out of like pure panic, I ripped my two fingers apart, like trying to get the hook out. 
and realize it's not coming out because it's all the way through to the barb. And so oh, I'm yeah. laying there and my leg is like the size of a freaking grapefruit. And I got this hook through my finger and, and Judd's just like, y'all, you all right? And I'm like over here just moving my ankle like, yeah, dude, I'm fine. It's whatever, you know, adrenaline's pumping. I'm like, I'm all good. And about five minutes later, I found out I, I was not good at all. Like it was, it was, it was broke very, very badly. So oh yeah, God. that was on the that way in or the way out. That was out. moving spots while we were out there. We were like about to start heading back, so we were going to just start kind of hitting spots on the way back in. Yeah. Did you catch yeah. some fish at least before? Yeah, that? dude. Yeah, we caught some uh, king mackerel, uh, beeliners. Yeah, this all kind we of picked stuff. away at them. It was, it was a. It was a day. We had a day. Yeah. It was ended up just being awful after after we jacked. Yeah, it sounds like it kind of went to shit. Yeah, it was not great. Yeah, it went to hell in the handbag really, really quick. But I got a video of the whole thing. That was, I guess, the best part, even though that was like one of those videos that honestly I thought, man, this one's this one's gonna get a hundred thousand views, right? And it got like two thousand, but whatever. So I got. Dude, this is a, I mean, you should know that by now, dude. Oh yeah, I know, right? Like nothing that you expect is going to get views gets views unless it's yeah. a hook through the finger. So I got this one video, just kind of going off that. It's like five years old now. It's got a hundred thousand views this week or, or this month, and it was where my dad stuck a hook in his finger. So maybe five years from now it'll take off or something. I don't know. But <laughs> Ben, what were you going to say, buddy? I'm sorry. Do people carry hook cutters? Like Jacob, do you carry hook cutters? Do I? Uh, or Jacob, yeah, I sorry. Slide cutters in my boat, like in my toolbox and stuff. So what I are just, side cutters? Just like, like little, they're like, you like know. Channel like, lock kind of deals? Or like, no, like, you know, you guys know what side cutters are, right? Sort of. Like, yeah. Yeah, but like it's like a pliers with a little side deal on them. They look like pliers, but then they've just got like short little prongs on that are like yeah, sharp. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the big wire cutters, like the heavy duty ones. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like zip ties and stuff yeah. like that. Like okay, wire yeah. snips. Like wire yeah, snips. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I have a pair of pliers and big handles. Yeah. I could cut them up pretty easily. I mean, with the hooks that I use, I could cut them with those pliers, no problem. I don't use anything thicker than that. I mean, I could probably cut a hook on a frog with that pair of pliers, no problem. It's That's actually a really good point. You should have one of those in the boat. Yeah, because yeah. the, the only times I pulled stuff out, like when I got hooked bad, I actually had to push the hook the rest of the way through my like the meat right here, and then we <laughs> pinched the bar. But it was like a big heavy duty swim jig. But like if you had the clips, well, I guess you still have to push it through. But like for your finger, dude, like you at least want to get your fingers apart, yeah. So you like you want to cut that thing and like I don't know, right. I don't know yeah. what the right way to do it is. All right, That's so so we're like. We're like 10 minutes into this and I've not mentioned anything that we've got going on. So I, I like need to do that. Like this podcast is sponsored and like someone pays to be sponsoring this podcast. So I probably need to talk about that or we'll all be in trouble. Um, everybody's going to be owing me money, but anyway, um, no, for real. So let's, uh, let's get some business out of the way real quick. And then we'll like keep going down that train of thought. Cause that's actually a really good train of thought. So hi everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Obviously you've probably been listening to it up to this point. Hopefully you made it 10 minutes into this thing. Um, and like I said, I told you, we go off the rails like it often does. But this podcast slash live stream that I do every Friday night is sponsored by the good old people over at Monster Bass. For you guys that don't know who Monster Bass is, it's a subscription-based company. Once a month, we're going to send you a bag 
full of lures. And it's actually a really nice reusable like vinyl side bag now. We just started doing that this month. Um, but it's a bag full of lures. And what's cool about Monster Bass is we're handpicking the baits that come in the bag. So it gives you the tools for the time of year that you're fishing as well as the region of the country that you're living in. So that means that you're going to get the tools you need right now to go out and to catch fish. So if that sounds like something that you are interested in, I'll have a link down below. Use the code SAVE15, that's S-A-V-E, the number 15, to get you $15 off your first box. Also, before we get any further into this thing, we will be running a raffle tonight for our giveaway. And that's something that I started last week. And it's actually pretty cool. So essentially what you have to do is if you super chat a dollar, that is one entry into the raffle. If you super chat $20, that's 20 entries into the raffle. So for every dollar that you super chat in, you'll be entered that many times. And tonight I'm going to be giving away a $200 AFCO bundle. And so it's a Reaper hoodie, a, um, what is it? A Reaper, a shadow hoodie, a pair of pack fishing shorts and a hat and something else. The good people over at AFCO sent me the email and I will tell you guys what it is right now. Hold on just one second. Off the rails, like I said, super professional. Anyway, so a trucker hat, a Reaper hoodie, a Samurai hoodie, and some pack fishing shorts. That is a $200 package. Um, and so all you got to do is spend $1 in the super chat. That is one entry into the raffle or how many, many times you want to enter the raffle. And then at the end, my wife, who is sitting back there moderating and taking in all the information, will pick one of you guys at random. And we will get your sizes and all that stuff and kind of get that going where it needs to go. So yeah, business is out of the way, but anyway, snips in your, uh, snips in your boat. That's actually something I put in my first aid kit was a pair of like good wire clippers. And, uh, that stems from the time that my dad ran a, uh, two X strong Gamagatsu hook off a whopper plopper through his finger. So I thought, you know what? We probably need some better wire snips in the boat. <laughs> we probably need some better wire snips in the boat. But yeah, I would definitely, uh, suggest anybody put that in there. So, Judd, what's some stuff as a saltwater guy that you that you like want or need or, or like think about that we don't think about or as a guide in general? Because like Mikey, you've never guided, right? <laughs> no, nah, didn't think so. Any, I mean, I don't think anybody's took it. Took it. He's taking some people out and put them on fish. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, Mikey. But, you know, Mikey to be a guy actually me and ben kind of did that dude, a little we bit. Got yeah two 11s back-to-back cast so he's two a really 11s. good guy well, dude, that was pb after pb after, as caleb would say pb after pb, after PB, after PB after. After, dude yeah all day man i caught an eight and then i caught a seven and then i caught a six and then i caught one deep crank and i caught on an 11 i mean mike is Why a damn good like, guy the first time you came down didn't you catch like your pb it was like eight yeah, I, I caught a I caught a seven pounder, which was my first PB, and I'm like, damn, oh my god, Mikey! I was like freaking out, and he's like, he's like, shh, shh, there's another guy like right there, and then I caught eight, and then I really couldn't control myself, and then the next day I caught a six, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm moving to Florida, I'm moving with you, Mikey. And then yeah, a lot I would just be a wreck. Like, I wouldn't even know what to do with myself. Like, there oh, would be, gosh. like, just sounds coming out of my body. Like, it wouldn't even be words. Oh, just be like, eh. He was more animated and emotional than I've ever seen him. He actually yeah, grinned. He, like, smiled <laughs> for, like, three seconds. And then he went back to, like, yeah, you know, like yeah. straight face. No, yeah. my, my favorite thing about Ben is when he gets pissed when he's not catching fish. And then, Judd, I, I want to go back to the question about, like, oh, yeah, being, yeah. 
being a guide. But so like my favorite thing is when Ben like gets pissed. So this last year I'm up there and we're fishing, right? We're up in Michigan and we're fishing like this little inland lake. And Ben's like, dude, I know there's a seven, eight pound smallmouth that lives here. I know, like, I know they have to be here. It's clear water. I'm fishing a hair jig, like forcing it, forcing it, forcing it, forcing it. They're going to eat it. They're going to eat it. I had a bunch of followers. You could see them on pan optics. And I'm like starting to get frustrated, forcing stuff. Starting to get frustrated, my ass. He is pissed at the world. Yeah, right. I can hear the anger in his voice and just him like talking about it. Holy shit! Yeah. 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 Oh no! Bro. So, so, so he's the greatest thing ever. I'm doing something, and I say, well, I don't even know what I asked. Like, you know, you want to do X, Y, Z, and he was like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't just shut up. We'll figure it out. And I'm like. <laughs> I said, listen, I was like, hold up, little man. I will I will drive you in the ground like a, like a fence post. Hold on, just time out just a second. What was that attitude just then? He's like, so like 20 minutes passes. And he goes, man, I, I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. I got really angry with you. And I didn't mean to because we're not catching here, fish. Here. What Mikey said, what Mikey said, dude, is, or excuse me, what Alex said was, hey, you think we should go back up in this cut and try to at least catch some oh. largemouth and see what's going to happen? And I'm like, I don't know what the hell we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. We just suck, man. We just suck. And I'm like yeah. frustrated. And then yeah. I'm like, I'm so sorry, dude. I'm so sorry. Let's slide up in this cut and try to catch these largemouth. And, and it turned we, the entire trip around. It turned everything around. their face in, dude. Like, the I'm talking beat their, beat their eyes in up in that cut. But, yeah, no, yeah, being a – Ben Ben does get he can get animated he does have emotion it's just uh it, he doesn't show up very often but if he ever if he ever does get angry at you he w- he will yell like a little girl it's it's pretty cute oh, so it. it's usually the ones that that hold it can hold it back the longest that that break the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah uh-huh. so Judd tell me about being a guide buddy like I that's something honestly <laughs> I say this you know I say I work with eight-year-olds all day right I'm a second grade teacher like so I have a lot of patience but I swear to god I don't gotta be any patience for adults like I how do you how do you do it and like how do you put up with some of the crazy people because I know most of them are probably really awesome dudes but like what how, how does that world look for you Oh man, when you got the crazy people, it's just, you're just counting down the hours, you know, until they're off the boat. But, but typically, like you said, 99% of people are a lot of fun and, and it boils down to like the same thing that all y'all at the end of the day have the passion for fishing that, you know, if you had to be on the water, if the way you could be on the water every day was, you know, helping put other people on fish, that's what you do. And so that's kind of, kind of what I, I love sharing it with other people. Um, I do like sit standing on the bow as opposed to the back of the boat. I do a lot of sight fishing in saltwater. So like fly fishing and light tackle sight fishing. So it's still, it's not as much of me just like standing there letting people fish. I'm very engaged in the whole process um, through sight fishing, but um, I, I do love it. I do love it. You were asking about like things to bring on the boat mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm probably the least prepared person ever. Like I'm just hoping I've got the right tackle for the day on the boat. I'm like, <laughs> All right. I think they're going to probably eat some top water today. I'm going to chuck a couple of these in my hatch. And like, I, I drew, I'll, I'll organize my boat out and get it all laid out. And it'll last that way for like a week. And then I'm, my hatches are just over overflowing with stuff. And as long as you got toilet paper flares, um, some, some dikes to cut hooks out of people's skin and, um, you like an old beer in the, in the coolers, usually you're good. There you go. I dig it. I dig it. So like red fishing, 
right now? Is it good or is it just like bad? Because I know for me here in Tennessee, like it's trash. Like February is trash for us. And as soon as March comes around, it's like somebody hits a light switch. So what's red fishing like right now? So you can catch them all year uh, pretty well. They just kind of change up what they do. If people want to come and catch numbers of fish, this is the time of year to do it for sure. So they, as the winter, you know, as, as the water cools with winter, the fish school up into real large schools, the water's super clear. So, um, I mean, you can go catch, you know, if you want to 50, 75 fish in a day. I mean, you're pretty much having to kind of go catch a couple of fish and leave them alone. Cause they stay in the same areas. You can sit there, they're sitting in shallow water. You can catch a bunch of them. So it, it's a great time of year to, to sight fish for sure. Um, but you know, it changes throughout the seasons. Every season's a little different. And, yeah. um, every season's, you know, got its own cool, cool type of fishing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that video you posted today of all those redfish on that flat swimming around, dude, that was wild. Yeah. That, that's, that's fun. That's, that's fun. crazy, dude. That's just, I mean, you know, you can see schools of bass that big route, right? like when you're down like Pickwick and, you know, like a Wheeler and all those places, they, they get schooled like that on chicks sometimes. But I mean, like, dude, it's just hundreds and hundreds of fish just like cruising. Like that's just insane to me. You know what I mean? Especially when they're like, that deep too. <laughs> you know what i mean it's it's a humongous difference like a lot of times when fish are schooling you know around here it's like you don't see them you can find them on your graph and stuff but it's like right. you can't see them with your eyes like dude it would be insane to pull up on a school of 150 bass and see them with your eyes and be able to cast them and catch them you know what i mean that's yeah, just sure. that's just a completely different world like i don't even understand that but i want to come back because i didn't get to do it so I yeah to, like, yeah definitely we'll have you back yeah. multiple times it, it, y'all, y'all probably have a lot of confidence, you know, with, with five or more feet of water under your boat. If I have like, I need five or less feet of water to really feel confident about catching fish. So it's kind of funny how, how it's all different, but that's why I love watching like all the bass fishing content and stuff. Cause it, I, I can learn so much, you know, different styles <laughs> yeah. and techniques, but I do have a pussy on my show. You want to know what this cat's name is? Tit. Pussy? T-I-T. Oh, Titty. <laughs> Two great things. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I, 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 found, I found her in the middle of the road. And so I hate hey, cats. Put her in a box. Put her in a box. Why would I put her in a box? Seriously, guys, come on. Really? You don't <laughs> dude, don't make him say it. Put the pussy in a box, dude. Okay. Pussy in a box? I mean, like, oh is that God. I'm confused. I'm now confused. You're gonna have to explain the joke. Don't like, worry about it. If I go any deeper, we're gonna get flagged. So yeah, we, dude, we probably. I'll be honest. We've probably already been flagged. I mean, I was getting flagged a few months ago for sexual content. I wouldn't even say any. I didn't even have my penis out. That's my other. That's my other YouTube channel. But so, so Mikey, what are you doing this time of year, dude? Obviously, you said you're. You know, you're down in Florida. You're doing your deep stuff. Like, is that just kind of? Is that the Sole reason you're down there is just to get on those. Actually, freaking, we went out, we fished some spawning fish, dude, with like easies and stuff. Tell them a little bit about like how we were buzzing the grass and that. Yeah, the other day we went out and Mikey's like, well, the deep bites kind of dwindled out. There's really not a whole lot offshore. Um, the fish are pushing shallow. And so we rolled up on this little stretch of bank. The fog was insane, dude. Like we're running across this lake and I was like, I had never even seen it before. So I was just like, all right, dude, like, 
take me to the fish. Like I can't even speak right now. So yeah. let's go. And I had like four rods in the boat. I had no idea what to bring. He's like, I don't know, just bring whatever. And so like I had a frog tied on and yeah, we pulled up to this this little stretch and I was like, Oh, there's some lily pads over there. And Mike's like, You can run the front. And he was screwing around with cameras or something. He didn't even have his camera rolling. And I fire my frog out to these little pads and like a six pound, five and a half, six pounder eats it. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, I'm like, dude, this place is awesome. And I'm like, I've never <laughs> seen it. Dude, I can't catch some shallow to save my life there. Like, I mean, every once in a while, but like, dude, like I've never caught one on frog there. I don't spend a lot of time doing it. And Joker rolls up in like five minutes deep. He catches a freaking like five and like a fat old Joker in like that much water. And I'm like, really, dude? Like, it was... <laughs> And then we fished offshore and we made it. I think Mike caught one like 12 inches. Yep. It was terrible. And then we went up shallow and got on a little bite with the, the big easy and the easy swimmer. That just, was fun. Just buzzing it over the grass. Like this Cassini yeah. grass comes up. And yeah. I don't know if you guys are super familiar with it, but it's real. It, it can be thick, but what we were fishing was kind of sparser stuff coming up and you got some space between it. Basically, just fire out as far as you can with 65 or 50 pound braid and just reel it. And that tail's kind of flapping on yeah. the top. It almost sounds like a small whopper plopper or something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and then when they eat it, dude, it's just like, whoosh, and you kind of just wait a second, and then you just jack them like you would if like a jig or something. It's that's fun. awesome. It's, that's that's awesome. Awesome. If you ever go to Florida, that's the bite. Like that's like the classic Florida bite. You know, like topwater yeah. plastics and stuff like that. It's like it's so much fun, and they're just spawning, dude. And like a foot and a half water, we're way back in the grass, like super thick stuff, and they're so aggressive. Like we probably missed double or triple yeah. bites that we actually caught. Because they'll just they'll just crush like it, I don't know it's fun. It's they're like all fired up, man. They're so fired up. You throw it in there, it's crazy. You reel the thing so quick, yeah. and they'll come out and just annihilate it. I don't know how they even see the day, but yeah, <laughs> but they are. Like, go ahead, dude. No, go ahead. No, no, you, I mean, what's happening is, is like the spawn. So let me throw this complete total irony. So it was cold like three weeks ago. Got mm -hmm. super bitter. Actually, it warmed up. Thought they were gonna spawn. It went to crap. They didn't come up and spawn. Some did, but not many. Got super cold down here, and all these fish have moved up shallow in the grass, dude, and they've been locked in there. And, Ben, you know even, like, most of those fish on those lakes of fish are almost always offshore. Like, 90% of the time, you can win and catch. Dude, there isn't a soul of a green fish offshore for the past, like, two weeks, three weeks after I caught that 47 pounds, dude. And uh, so they're all stuck up in the grass. Well, me and Jacob went and did this. Was that last Sunday? Yeah, I was like – Four or five days ago? Yeah, four, four or five, five days, days ago. I go back out and shoot a, a big, easy buzzing video, catch a couple four-pounders, miss a couple big ones. So, like, they're coming still, you know? Like, the numbers are in there. Went out today, got three blow-ups in the area, dude, after spending an hour there. Take this kid, and it's finally warmed up here. Like, the water temp is spawning temp. Like, everything's, like, ready. Dude, can't get a bite in the grass other than those two bites. We go offshore to some post-spawn stuff that I got, and we kept 31 pounds and like, 14 to 18 foot so like granted but not I all the fish have spawned yeah you would have enjoyed that but like oh, oh, no, Toby. <laughs> but dude not all the fish have spawned but like there's fish that are done and like never mm -hmm. saw them go the weather didn't it, you know it's never ideal i guess it's kind of like what they do up by us you know some of those fish will spawn in february and it's like mm -hmm. the water's like 50 something degree and they're bedded out and done you know yeah. but yeah. It's just weird. The last thing I expected to do was to catch post spawn fish today. Every fish on every lake in Central Florida should be on a bed, 
and that wasn't the case. That's wild, dude. That's so wild. what changed that, man? Because like we're not even looking at like premier spawn conditions, right? Like I they just no kind of went up and done. So they're back out. I don't know if we get those waves, Ben. You know, like I don't know if there's going to be because usually seventy six is like the magic temperature for around where I'm at, and that's when you see that's those times you go into a canal. And you see 30 fish lined, like 30 males lined up on a bank or whatever, you know, like it's, and then you're, you're going to see a lot of three to four pounders, but you're only going to see like one, six to seven, you know, or one, five pounder, two, five, you know, you're not going to see like Mondo, Mondorific, you know, like coming around. And I don't know if like the big ones went, even though it wasn't ideal and they just went and I missed them. I saw a couple bigs on bed. But they like, were what is never, what is big though? Like what is big for that lake? I saw like a couple sevens. Yeah, big is like nine, but I don't think you ever can look at those jokers. I think they spawn like in four to five yeah. feet. Dude. Yeah. You never see them. But dude, that's the other trick. That water in four to five feet, if I'm reading 73 to 75 on a surface temp, dude, it's like 72 down, like down three foot, you know, mm -hmm. like it's not warm and them fish go warm. I don't know what happened, dude. I thought the, the past three days was going to be Mikey's tight fish video from hell, like awesomeness, <laughs> you know? And instead, I'm catching post-spawn fish in like 16, 18 foot. Dude, that's effed up. Like, that's wild. This is out of out of ignorance of, of not knowing, but is it all water temperature for bass spawning, or, or is there any, any part of moon phase that plays a factor? of Definitely of moon phase, dude. Definitely moon phase. So that's the other wild card we'll throw in because you bring up a great point. The full moon coincided with our little warm-up we had before that front came in. The water never got right, but the moon was there. I don't know if that drew some of those jokers on, and they played – you know the lunar versus the the actual like climate kind of deal but um i i don't know it threw me for a curveball i'm gonna go try to look at fish tomorrow and see what i see but uh just definitely weird dude definitely weird what do you uh, is like i guess salt water let's do a little fresh salt comparison like what drives behavior more in your situation when you're dealing with these reds well it, it depends on like like i fish speckled trout a lot too and they're way more moon phase and temperature driven like redfish are, are pretty darn versatile fish i've caught redfish in a creek before when my graph was reading 93 degrees in about 12 inches of water and they were busting shrimp on the bank and i've caught them down in louisiana where we were throwing flies to them and we had like a couple fish cruising a shoreline and my buddy throws a fly out to them and it hits the water and like doesn't sink and i'm like what the heck strip that in throw it again he strips it in throws it back in there hits the water doesn't sink and then we're like, holy crap, that's ice. And the fish <laughs> oh, swim no. out from underneath the ice and he throws the fly to him and the fish comes up and smokes it. And so the redfish are pretty darn badass, versatile fish. Speckled trout, on the other hand, very, very temperature dependent and, and moon phase dependent. So um, now, now the redfish spawn uh, are, is very based around the moon phase and, and not water temperature at all. Um, speckled trout. I'm let, I don't know as much about that. We don't have any speckled trout that spawn here. A lot of them spawn up in the Chesapeake Bay and north of me, like in the Pamlico Sound. Um, but, but it's a good, you know, all, all the saltwater fish that I'm familiar with, it's, it seems like a good mixture of the two, the, the moon phase and the water temperature kind of driving those, those factors. That's all I was know, curious about the bass. That's the, that's kind of the insanity too, between saltwater and freshwater is a lot of those saltwater fish, man, they're sw swimming hundreds of miles to spawn sometimes you know and like depending on what fish it is 
or whether it's like a you know some kind of salmon that swims out into the ocean and swims back into some stream they're swimming hundreds thousands of miles yeah to go spawn and to make babies and then these babies come back to where you know to where their parents came from and it's just this insane kind of deal but like bass man like I I know for a fact I've caught spawning fish off the bed and then caught them later on in the summer, literally in the same general vicinity that they were when I caught them off that bed. It's like they don't even move 50, 60, 70 yards at the most, most of their life, which is just nuts. But like, Mikey, you were talking about like how a lot of those fish that you catch offshore, do you feel like they're moving like a tremendous distance? Or so like, I had a really interesting conversation with a, a guide I know <clears throat> from um, Texas, and we were talking about the same predicament that we were in. Where so uh, I caught that thirteen, not to like toot my own horn, but so I caught that thirteen and that forty pound, pounds like January 9th, I think it no, was. Please, toot your horn so much because the way you just like like yeah, casually like, passed over that yeah, a few minutes a 13, ago. <laughs> and 13, yeah, it was nine, awesome, 13 and a half. That, I didn't even know those existed. 13.5 ounce. Yeah, I guess that one was, it was stupid. Hey, Ben, by the way, they looked like they weren't. I didn't see them on the side scan, but remember I told you how the 49 looked and then how yeah. it was. Dude, when I found it, they're like that. They're like these little groups of like four and five dots, and the dots are just like. But do they just I come do. through? Like, do they just kind of like those yeah. four stick together and come through? And then like we just didn't have another one come through. Well, these are more on a, the stretch is only about 40 yards. It's a smaller space and it's like two bars that it, I, from what I can tell, they intersect and they're, they're just swimming around. And dude, you see them go under the boat and it's like a, a 2D arc that just continues and continue. And then it'll break. <laughs> and then another, it was the dumbest shit. I've, dude, I, since the 49, those are the biggest. I, there was one time in the summer I saw some big ones like this, but this was... It was stupid, and then I scanned them on downscan. I'll actually send you guys the 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 downscan image because yeah. it's twenty five feet of water, twenty four or something like that. And dude, these dots they look like you guys know, like on the Tennessee River, like ledges, how the carp look, but then they have yeah. the shadow and stuff. These yeah. are those dots, no shadow, no like fluff on them. Right, they're just like oh. It's it's ugly, stupid. But back to the point that so these jokers were in like twenty three to twenty five, right? So I was talking to this dude from Texas, and I'm like, bro, the problem I'm having is when these fish disappear, I can't find them in fourteen. I can't find them in twelve. And hell, like you might be able to get lucky and find them in like six to eight or something. But it gets real sketchy to scan for them in that kind of depth. You got to fish for them, and they might be there one. Like it's it's kind of luck, you know. And he's like, dude. That's what happens in Texas, dude. These jokers, when they're out, they're out. And before, you know, pre-spawn, they're out. Then all of a sudden, they're in two foot of water. They'll be there for like three days, and then they're gone. And they're back hmm. out 20-some feet of water. And I'm like, dude, that's really what happens with me is like these fish like spend 90%, 95% of their life, the big ones at least, dude. I'm sure the rats always shallow or whatever, but they're, they're swimming out there and they come in and they do their business and they're like, this isn't safe. This isn't where I need to be. This isn't where the food is or whatever it is. And they're gone, dude. That's crazy. That's crazy. Jacob, Jacob was actually, what were you going to say about like the, Jacob had something to say about like the groups of fish like spawning or the movement you were going to say like, Oh, I just think it depends on where you're fishing. You know I mean? If you're fishing yeah. a pond, I mean, I think the fish, or small body of water the fish don't move as much you know they'll move up on a spot and spawn and then they'll move off to the closest piece of structure and live there and 
Bog. What are you? Killer. Dude, we have an intruder. Bog. Bog. <laughs> hey, chill. Chill. We're trying to do a live stream. Come here. Come here. Chill. <laughs> no, but I, I think it depends. I mean, some places I fish, I know that, uh, speaking of Texas, some of those reservoirs, those fish will, will swim up creeks to spawn. In the like way up? Like, oh, yeah. Like, they'll swim way up creeks. Way. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, even on, like, Gunnersville, they'll swim way in the back of pockets. Like, that's up, true. Up under bridges. And, I mean, yeah, that's, they'll, that's they'll go point, a long dude. ways, dude. Like, I mean, those they'll, go, roads, they'll go a yeah. long ways. I mean, yeah. I don't know if it's it's not hundreds of miles, but, you know, they'll go. Yeah. You know, I don't know how many miles, but yeah. you know, I think of a fish is living out in 15, 16 feet of water, and you know, it's it's going to spawn back in this creek. It might be five, six miles away, and it's yeah, going to go back there to spawn. But. Yeah. So we had a biologist on the podcast a few weeks ago. Well, that's been a couple months ago now. Um, but he was kind of talking. We got on this conversation about fish living in areas, right? And it was really fascinating to hear him talk about lakes around here and how every lake, like you said, dude, is different, right? He said there's some lakes where these fish, like they're tagging the same fish year in, year out. They never leave an area. He said, but then there's other lakes if you – and like to the point where they don't leave an area so much that if you were to fish down a bank and take those fish out of there like during a tournament, he yeah. said – he said, you may just take those fish out and like, they never come back. It's just the way that the lake is. And we're talking like giant lakes, like Norris. I mean, it, you know, it's one of the biggest lakes in the state, but like he said, if you fish down a bank and you catch a bunch, he said, they're not going to replenish like they would say on like chick. He said, we're on chick. He said, he says just constantly, you know, it's just refilling. There's fish moving. There's fish swimming up. There's fish swimming down. Just kind of like what you were talking about, Mikey, where like when they're up, they're up when they're down, they're down. And like those true giants especially on chick is a great example are getting to the point where they're either suspending out in the middle of the lake or they're living somewhere out in you know 25 30 foot of water and like you just can't catch them like you used to and the only time you can really catch them is pre-spawn when they're eating everything that moves and they're up shallow or they're on a bed and then once they're done dude it's just like bye and you never see them again but you got a lot of dudes who are out in the middle of chick right now that are catching 28 29 pound bags with live scope because they figured out where they're suspended and they're doing figure eights out in the middle of the lake and finding those true giants, you know what I mean? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, dude. And like the whole forward facing sonar thing right now, like I've not talked to a guy yet around here. I've not talked to a guy around here yet that has not won a tournament in the past, like three weeks using, not using forward facing sonar. And everybody's like, they're finding them. They're suspended over brush piles. I'm finding them, throwing an A-rig, throwing a swim bait, whatever it is out to them, sinking it down and just slow rolling and literally making them eat the bait and watching them eat the bait in real time. And it's like mm. it's it's totally shifted the dynamic of bass fishing around here. And it's well, like deep curious. water sight fishing. Exactly. Yeah, it is. It is. And you're fishing for fish yeah. that maybe not have seen baits or in that spot, like in that cycle of their movements right like they might get it when they're on a deep rock pile and you're dropping on them or you're casting to them on a ledge but they're not getting it when they're suspended up in the middle of sections and i want to kind of ask a question for jacob because you're in it right man like you're in the tournaments and you see what's happening like how many of those guys have forward-facing sonar and how important is it for like you guys to either have it or not or what's your perspective on this whole thing yeah, no, it's super important. I mean, there's if you, there's going to be certain lakes this season where if you don't have it, you're going to get beat by it. Um, I mean, we go to 
I, I guess I should say before I start talking about locations, but I can't get information on any, any of the lakes I'm talking about. So, um, you know, if you have an opinion or want to say something, just refrain. But any, anyway, um, <laughs> Jacob's over here thinking, man, I really don't want this big bearded guy to kick somebody's ass and it comes back on me. <laughs> no. So yeah, don't say, if he says a lake name, guys, just don't say anything for his sake. Cause he really is. He's out here trying to do it. So just be nice. Go ahead, Jacob. Uh, well, like a lake like Smith Lake, for example, we go there next. I mean, that's a herring lake, and we're going to go there when it's still pretty cold. Uh, you know, those spotted bass, just pretty much those big ones, just live like under those herring. I mean, they pretty much just follow those herring around. So if you have that, you know, uh, active target or live scope, I mean, you're basically going to pull into a pocket or a point and be like, oh, you know, I saw the, the herring here in practice, or I saw the herring in this area, and you can just pull up on the trolling motor and and yeah. search like oh there they are and then oh look there's two marks underneath it fire my little kitech over there and wind it through the bottom of the school yep. so i mean it's 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 going to change the game for certain fisheries i mean brush pile fishing same kind of deal like you said um dock fishing yeah. any of these places we go to that have these types of structure it's going to be hard to compete with if you don't have it mm-hmm. uh, but then again i mean i've i've fished with the live scope a few times and and it can be just as hindering. I mean, because you're sitting yeah. there looking at it so much, and you don't catch everything that you see on the screen, and it'll you'll beat yourself up knowing that you're casting with so many fish that you can't catch. Well, yeah. And the other part there too is right, like the other mindset where you don't necessarily see fish, or you're in an area that has a good concentration of fish, but you may not see them because they're not suspended up. They're like really, really tightened to cover. Yeah. Now, when you're talking guys that are ultra like super 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 good with their graphs maybe they can find them but man like i can't tell you how many times where i've not seen fish and i'm like getting ready to leave that spot and all of a sudden they get a bite and then i figure out okay they're on this exact line right like you have to almost say it is a tool yes it can show me when there are suspended fish or there's fish on this or there's structure here but it's not like the end all be all like i'm going to catch every fish i can see and i'm not going to catch or i'm not going to not catch fish i don't see you know what i'm saying no so I mean, and then you get to a place like Okeechobee, and it's like pretty much useless. I mean, at least yeah. in my opinion. I mean, some of these guys yeah. might might say like, "Oh, dude, I can pull up to a mat and look underneath it and see if there's a fish there." It's like, well, why don't you just figure out where you're getting the most bites in the mat and fish it with the, with the big weight? You know, why do you have to scan it and see? No, but um, yeah, I mean, so here it doesn't matter. Certain places, like you said, it, it can matter. But then again, I mean, you might be better off just casting. Yeah. Certain things. yeah, and I mean, I you know, I had a conversation with Ben. What'd you say, Mikey? No, go ahead. Yeah, buddy. I want to throw a few things in the mix real quick on that. So, one, the craziest thing that I've seen is uh, Val that owns Gambler just put Panoptics on his deal, and he fished the Toyota series. Uh, I got on there on Kissimmee, and he's like, "Bro, you got to see this." And I was like, pre-fishing and screwing around with him in that mud, but yeah, dude, we're in four feet, and this is part of the deal where there's unexplored territory with this thing as well. Like everybody's going to fish it. Like what do you say? Eight to like whatever depth. Cause that's where it's viable. Dude, we were in three to four feet of water inside a Kissimmee grass line. And that joker pointed it at like three hydrilla clumps that are in like this much water. And he's like, hold my beer, watch this. And dude, oh I, I saw him. I shit you not. And then we caught two of them. Like I saw the joker swimming, like in granted, you're not getting a great, image but mm-hmm. i can see them swimming in and out of the hydrilla like in that shallow water so like 
depth, as long as you're not in a foot and a half, two foot of water, depth doesn't matter. Um, mm -hmm. What Ben said, though, really quick, so we caught that 31 pounds today. The trick with these fish, when they're post-spawn, they lay so tight to the bottom, I can't even see them on downscan, dude. I can barely see them on 2D as little, little layers, but, like, that, that live scope would do absolutely nothing. So my last real quick thing, though, is what I don't want to happen is I don't want this to go the way of the A-Rig. I think Lawrence, Garmin have way too much money involved in pro, pro fishing, like, you know, what Jacob's involved in, in the MLF, so they won't a-rig this because it's such a powerful tool and all that because in the end it's a tool because here's the deal if the a-rig was still legal in all these tournaments it would not win every tournament dude mm -hmm. it's been so beaten to death it's been so thrown that it's still it has a role it has something to play but they should have never banned it dude mm -hmm. like it, it'll have its cycle it'll have its usage like whatever but i just really hope they don't start doing like kind of like the governor rule i think is it nascar that has or any car has like certain restrictions on like the car or something. I hope they don't implement some kind of funky rule that's way too overreaching to do something to sort of hinder their ability, like the pro level ability or like anybody competing ability to use this. Cause it is a tool and it's going to help people and it's going to hurt some people. We don't need like third party rules coming into to just create more bureaucracy and crap. It's yeah. uh, it um, seems like if it's available for everybody too, then it's, you know, it, it's your duty to kind of figure out how to use it to fish. Exactly. Yeah. It's just another tool. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what well, I mean, it, it doesn't fit everybody's style. I mean, me and Ben were talking, you know, I'm planning on getting the, the, uh, what is it? The active target on my Lawrence's and, you know, putting it on the front of my boat just to have it. Cause it is a tool. You know what I mean? I want that tool just to play with it. Because there's lakes around here. I mean, Mike, you've been to Parksville. Ben, you've been to Parksville. You know those spots suspend out in the middle of nowhere, and I want to go down there, and I want to play with them. Like, And that's the only reason I want it. You know what I mean? Just to mess around with fish. But, like, when I'm, you know, dick dirt deep in my aluminum boat back in some cut flipping, like, it's not going to help me. And, like, 90% of what I do in the summer is run the rivers and put my boat up in the middle of, you know, the woods, and I flip and I frog and I do the stuff I like to do. It's so it's just like you say, dude, I mean, the tool is only as good as the guy using it and it's only as good as the job that you're doing with it. And so like a guy like John Cox, I don't think he's ever going to use that tool. He might, he might not. I don't know. But like, you know, he's the kind of guy kind of in the mindset of me, get as far back up into something as you can and flip and do what you like to do. So I don't know. You're right though. I mean, I wonder I do wonder though, like if it will get a rigged and I wonder at what point, like, so what, when you were talking, I kind of thought about this. It was somebody, I sent it to Ben the other day. They had like seven 14 inch graphs that they were going to put on their boat. It was some pro. I forgot who it was. Maybe. And it was just, I told Ben, I said, I said, how do you even have that freaking much real estate on your boat? I was like, dude, there's that's like, it's impossible to put that many graphs on your boat. And Ben was like, maybe, three at the console and like four up front. He's like, I, I he's like, I don't even know how they're mounting them. And so like, I think it's going to be guy. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, just, I really, I truly don't know how these guys mounted them. It was so tall. It was, it was taller in the box than, or in the boxes than this person was. And I think they were, I know who it is. They're like six plus foot. I saw, I think I saw that post too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, are you talking about Carl Jockinson? I Maybe it was him. I think it was. Yes. Him. May, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Alex's. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, dude, like, I mean, for real, like if, if it's going to be pushed through and you're going to have like limitations on it, it's going to be because of just 
ridiculous crap like that. Like, I really, truly don't believe that you could have that much going on and be like, yes, I am I am totally aware of everything that's going on on this boat right now. And then, two, go ahead, man. I was just going to say, they can go ahead and do that. I'll, I'll just beat them to the spot because they've got all that crap weighing the boat. <laughs> right, dude. Right? I mean, like, and that's another thing. See, I, I disagree with you guys. I'm not going to lie. Like, so right now, just to kind of give you some context, I, I, this is a monitor I'm looking at you guys on right here. I got a monitor up here and I got one right here. I'm in my like not office office back at home. I got a 40 inch screen and then I got two monitors here. Like what's happening in fishing is always two to three years behind. I think cultural norms and like, you can't argue with the fact that from a cultural norm standpoint, like we're geared towards, you know, dashboards and analytics and, and, you know, images and like the, the video and integration of all this technology to kind of hedge. And even if it gives you that much of an advantage and, it, you know, I don't see it becoming, I think there's more to come. Like mm-hmm. yeah. my opinion, I was actually on another podcast. Like, I don't think it's going to be about finding fish anymore. All the fish are going to be found. It's about figuring out ways to catch them because we're going to get to a point from a technology standpoint because we're already, I mean, look at what we do with smartphones now. Like someone 10, 15, 20 years ago, you would have to be a technocrat to do that. You'd have to be this dorky. We're all dorks now, dude. Mm -hmm. We're dorks. Like we're sitting here on this live stream. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, for real. We're pissing and moaning and bitching about people having a bunch of grass. But like in reality, we're doing the exact same thing here. So I don't, you can never step back. So I don't know, man. Like, I think this is more the way it's going to be that will change things. Like in the sense of maybe, you know, bank fishing, fishing, you know, the bank is going to become more and more viable, but I I don't see any turning back from this. That's my only concern regulating it because they're going to say, Hey, there's nothing we can do here. The only thing we can do is make a rule. And in my opinion, rules only cause problems for the most situation. It's kind of crazy looking at it from a saltwater standpoint too, because because really the bass fishermen and I, and I share this with so many people that ask me, you know, you know about fishing questions and and how to become better a better saltwater angler. You know, I learned so much from watching bass fishing on YouTube and watching tackle videos. Like y'all are like the Olympic athletes of fishing. Y'all are pushing everything way further. Than, than any saltwater, like all my buddies are just now like, Oh, have you heard of side scan? Like, Oh, you can, it's just, you can look out beside the boat and you can actually see the trout like laying up on the bank. And, and so to see kind of like the progression following all the bass fishing, like jerk baits for trout, jerk baits for redfish, like guys are fishing square bills for redfish and spinner baits and chatter baits and Ned rigs. Like everything that we do is about five years behind what y'all do. So that's why I watch all those videos, really, just so I can try to get a little bit of an edge on on the saltwater game. But it, I see the the electronics thing, man, is really coming into play. And and like with the active target, my brother's a big bass fisherman. He he called me the other day and was talking about how he just got active, active target on his boat. And, um, and it's frustrating because, like, they don't even make a trolling motor for saltwater that I can put an active target transducer on to even use it. So I couldn't even use it in saltwater yet. Like, it's not even relevant in saltwater. So it's just – it's crazy how y'all – in the freshwater world, it's kind of pushed ahead much further than saltwater. Have you? Because there's more money in salt, or there's more. It's more money to be made. Yeah. Well, I, I, 
I talked to some people. I have a really good friend at Pure Fishing, which is like, you know, Pin and Finwick. And yeah, and so the the main moneymaker in fishing is bass fishing because it's everywhere. It's in every, I mean, everyone's within a mile of a bass That's in the true. entire country. And then the second largest is actually catfishing in the entire country yeah. is catfishing. So in the U.S. Because if you think yeah. about it, like so many, so much fewer people have access to saltwater fishing. Um, just being yeah, on the coastline. It's a coastal or like a south, southern coastal endeavor. If you, right. That's a really good point. I never thought about it. It blew my mind too. I was like, cat catfishing more so than, than any saltwater fishing. Oh, dude. Let me tell you something. Catfishing, like we don't even we don't even tap into that market. I got, I got a couple buddies that live around here that they kayak catfish and he literally has got a channel called kayak catfish. And dude's got like a hundred thousand subscribers quit his job and is doing YouTube full time. And all he does is catch catfish out of a kayak, wow. you know, dropping chunks of meat down on them and catching these giant catfish. And really? like, it's dude, it's all like, and he freaking loves it. And like, I don't get it, but he loves it. And there's a whole segment of people who love it? There's another dude around, it's like Catfish Dave or something, and like the old boy just stands on the bank and chucks his, you know, his hunk of meat out there and sits and waits for a big old catfish to eat it. Nothing's like, more relatable to a larger mass of people than that, probably. Yeah, so I mean, Pig Patrol. I think he, Josh. I think he does that same kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and it's wild, dude. And that old boy, man, he's he's all over the place. He's doing all kinds <laughs> of crazy stuff, dude. He's catching golden dorado and all that kind of stuff, but. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I think you're right, Mikey. I mean, these graphs and every all these electronics are the future. I mean, because you know, I got an iPhone sitting right here. You know, I'm obviously doing this on a computer. And the thing is, is I, I think the day that the the electronics companies finally catch up to the AI processing and and like the way that a computer works or an iPhone works, and it's that intuitive and integrative, is the day that that switch like really finally like goes all the way over of where people are going to be so tuned into their graphs i mean i you know i see when we went saltwater fishing judd on the big boat the dude had a boat that drove itself it had yeah. autopilot right and so like dude that's coming to bass fishing that's why you know <laughs> so what would you say that's why he broke your leg yeah that's why i broke my leg but like it's come i mean dude that kind of crap's coming to bass fish it's already here i mean you yeah. got spotlock spotlock holds you in place well, one of these days and then, and then with the hummingbird troll motors too if you got them um hooked up to the graphs the right way they'll follow a track or whatever right i mean that dude all that stuff's coming and then with like the you know the the interjection one day of electric bass motors it's only going to become more integrated i mean like you look at a tesla car it's literally just a driving computer it's all it is yeah. and one of these days our boats are just going to be floating computers and literally it's going to be just such a crazy integrated system that we'll have to be so integrated into that I don't know what 10 years from now it's going to look like. 15 years from now it's going to look like. We're going to be catching robot bass. And I mean, robot. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're just going to kill all the bass and put robots in there. It's, it's the embodiment of an experience. And the more you can integrate the, 
the technology and tools you have to that experience. Cause right now we're kind of harbiters of that integration. You know, we do bait reviews. We talk about techniques, you know, we talk about how we set up and mod our boat, you know, the more and more that's integrated, the more that experience is sort of inflated and integrated into you. So like as that process happened and it's not, that's very, metaphysical i guess from a description standpoint and how it's going to happen alex is like a great point but i think that's sort of the the driving philosophy i mean you look at like google glass is like a failure but like that's the concept you know like working towards that that integration where it isn't a button that you're hitting where it isn't uh, you know it's I'm going to throw a total kind of like curveball into this because I think one step that needs to happen, it's another thing I talked about on another podcast is a lot of these graph companies, you know, they're very much based. It's kind of like the Apple Microsoft argument. You know, it's very OS based. If you have Laurent stuff, you need to have all Laurent stuff in order yes. to integrate. So one of the challenges that's ahead for, for this stuff is all of these things that are happening can be done on an iPad or it can be done on a tablet. If there's some kind of generic OS that integrates with these transducers with that integrates. So one thing that I think is coming and I don't know how it's going to come because it's literally going to either force these, these graph companies to, to conglomerate or it's going to destroy like three of them. And there's going to be one left behind is we're going to be running all tablets on these boats, dude. And it can be a tablet that you can take from your dash and put it up front. You can bring it in your house. It's going to be a transducer that literally you don't even have to plug in. Like it's, you know, you have your wireless uh, powering wow. system, your wireless, you know, charging systems. But but that's coming, dude. Like us buying Hummingbird. I love my Lorance. Don't get me wrong, you know. But us buying branded stuff. I don't see that as a, a sustainable model for the way technology is going. I mean, the Android and, and I, what is it? iOS thing, you know, you have two main, you know, branches, but in the end, whether you buy a Samsung, whether you buy a, you know, Huawei phone, it all falls under Android. You know, if you buy the Apple, it falls under the iOS and that's going to happen with our crash because there's really, there's going to be a point where that technology is not uh, proprietary. It's not that complex, dude. Like, And that's what, yeah, and that's kind of what I was saying is like, what we've got now is not that complex compared to a Macintosh, like an Apple computer. Yeah. Like my computer's processing power would blow every graph on my boat out of the water, period. Exactly. And, and not even a quarter of it, probably. And so like, and, and like, even when you think about like an iPhone or an Android, right? Like this is simply a vessel for all the apps that I have on it. Right. And it's how it runs those apps is what you like about the phone more than the actual phone itself. Right. Like the phone's cool. It's made of glass. It's made of metal, just like the rest of them. But like how it processes the apps and how the it presents that information to me is what I like. And so I think you're totally right that it's going to be one of those deals that like it's just going to be pick your poison on how you want the information represented to you or, or put out to you. But it's not going to be like a like a branded product per se. Like you just get to pick and choose what tools you want or download the tool that you want and you have your tablet and you go fishing with it. I yeah. do. That's, I never thought about it that way. That's dude. That's yeah. That's I crazy. Mean, a great insight to end kind of that thinking that that's, that's crazy. That's yeah. That's it's, it's the future, man. It, it was pretty crazy. I was listening to uh Rogan on the way home today and he had uh Elon Musk on there. And Elon was talking about how humans create error and how he wants to take the human factor out of a Tesla car. 
to the point that it intuitively knows what you want when you get in your Tesla car. So based on information that it collects from your phone and from your daily habits and from GPS and all this stuff that you'll be able to get in your car and make a hand gesture. Say it's like two or three or four, whatever it is. If you do two, like you just gesture two, it will know that you want to take your kid to school, go to the Starbucks and then go to your job. And like that is, and he's like, and like literally he's talking about this and Rogan's like, so how far in the future do you think this is going to be? And he's like, I don't know, a couple years. And it's such just a freaky, so freaky to think about that. So far and sunny. It, it is, dude. And it's like, but that's coming. It's going to, like you say, Mikey, it's coming to bass fishing. Now, is it going to be two years? I don't think so. Maybe 10, 15 years. But like, I think we'll have this conversation 10 years from now if we're all here, God willing. And like, it'll be like, yeah, dude, you were right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it is just wild. I don't know. It's a very fascinating very fascinating thought. Do so, y'all think there'll be voice activation soon on a lot of the, the electronics in the in the bass fishing world? Needs to be. We were talking about that too. I'm so sick of typing in what waypoint. Okay, I'm <laughs> talking a lot. So this is another thing we talked about. So metadata, dude. My waypoints are a fishing log. I can't save metadata on my waypoints. Like I can't write a description of my waypoints. I can't do. There's apps on phone. What, it doesn't. Have? It doesn't integrate, man. Like it drives yeah. me insane. There's no integration. You can't like link. Okay, this time of year, these apps. Like, there's no. It's just a dot. It's literally just a dot. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you can't say. Okay, I want to go to this lake this time of year. What waypoints were most productive? You know what was happening. It's just a dot, and you have to like dive into it and be like, oh man, maybe this was the water temperature. Maybe this was like exactly. I hate that. Anyways, I'm sorry for interrupting. And I was talking about that with Lorenz stuff. Like, you know, if I could have my my waypoint title symbol, you know, like here I, I date my waypoints, and then I'll put if it's a structure, I'll use like a rock, like a shell bar, or a rock bar. I'll use a tree if it's a brush pile. If it's school or fish, I'll use fish. I'll put a date on it. But beyond that, there's no metadata. I can't open up that waypoint and look at further details. And then, like you were talking about, there's no way to filter. Like, a simple, like, I, I'm not super familiar with, like, you guys know, like, Microsoft Access and stuff like that, or even, like, a simple spreadsheet, like an Excel. Yeah. Like, you know, you can filter, you can sort your database, you can, like, it's just basic stuff, and it's not integrated in there. And, like... It'd be so easy. There's apps and third-party apps you can use, but like you said, Ben, there's there's no integration. Like I can't I can't put up three fingers and Elon Musk fix my waypoints for you know, <laughs> all I'm dude. And man, there's so much. Like there's there was without going too deep into companies or whatever. There's there's companies out there that do similar things, right? Like and try to integrate this, but man, no one has taken it to the point where you hit a waypoint. You now have all the information of that day, water temperature, depth. Yeah. This is the waypoint. Because um, it's already that's really, that's really, yeah, that's really all. It's already there. All that stuff's already there. All you need to do is pull from the data sources, dude. So why can't my active captain do that? Why can't <laughs> I pull this up, right? Like, really? Well, and, dude, here's the other thing, and this is the slimy, wonderful part about it. They can steal that. 
Like there's cookies on all this crap. Like if dude, if you put all that data in, there could be this crazy big brother database of all the phishing information in the world, and we could break into this bank and steal this SD card, dude. Oh and gosh, only this access to the biggest phishing database ever to be compiled in the history of man. Like hey, dude, without the stupidest thing. Without going into the company, I got a text message from a buddy one day, and he's like, "Hey, I see you're at this waypoint today," <laughs> and I'm like. Yeah. Come again? And he's like, yeah, no, I see I see where you're at today. Because him and I have been texting earlier. He works for the company. And he's like, oh, I see, I see where you're out. You're catching a lot of fish? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Then you turn your phone up, break it in half. Yeah, I'm like, nope, this is done. Toss. Yeah. Toss it right in the water. You know, hey, big brother, baby. <laughs> well, hey, you want to know why? I'm going to go win a tournament, dude. Hell yeah, dude. Go get him. Nice to meet all you guys. I yeah, you as well. Good luck. Mikey Absolutely. Just like, dude, you want to be a part of it? So I appreciate you guys yeah. having me on. Hey, jump on and follow. I'm going to do a selfless plug. Follow him um, on Instagram and that, dude. Uh, you'll see like him in his turn. He's a young dude, made his own way. I love the kid. Where can they find you on Instagram? And that? Uh, Jacob Wall Fishing on Instagram. And I got a little YouTube channel, too. I'll do oh, some cool. videos and stuff. He carves baits, dude. Like whittle, awesome. like, like this old man with a pipe, dude, in a small room, like smoke-filled room, and he's yeah. it's it's good stuff. He and dude, yeah. super, super, super knowledgeable about intricacies of baits, man. Like that's kind of where I like to learn from you, man. I go in your stuff all the time, so cool. Yeah, go get him. I do. Um, Mikey, yeah. send me his info, and I'll drop it down below in the description. Apologize. And, and well, show right. notes and all that. Yeah, yeah, if anybody that's watching has any questions or anything, I'm pretty uh, open to answer that on my Instagram and stuff. So. Whatever you guys want to know, anything, shoot it over. Uh, Wish him luck. Wish Good luck. luck. Yes. Good else? luck, bro. Good up. luck, dude. Go hammer, man. Bob, but, uh, here, here you guys. Now that we're done, we can talk some mad smack about Jake. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, he's, he's got like, an ugly looking head. Like, he like, looks like he's about 17 years old. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But, um, Oh, what was I was going to say something. Oh, but you want to know, Mikey, why why that does not exist yet, and I truly believe this is because there's not a push for it. Because it's money, money. it's money, it but it, but but there's no. I guess the money's not there, right? Like most guys. So I did a I did a deep dive into kind of like the what does bass fishing look like realistically across the board, right? And because what got me thinking about this was I was kind of really thinking like. I know around here in East Tennessee and down, you know, Northern Alabama where you live, dude, everybody owns a bass boat, right? Like everybody and their brothers got something that they can get out on the water on and go bass fishing. And we got a ton of pressure. But when you look at the country as a whole, like bass fishing for like 90, almost 99% of people is bank fishing, multi-species fishing. And then there's like a half a percent who are like kayak anglers and own, you know, a four or $5,000 kayak. And then there's like another half a percent who actually own like a glass bass boat or an aluminum bass boat with some kind of propulsion on the back of it. And I don't know if those statistics are incredibly accurate, but it's like that vast, right? That most bass anglers don't associate with like what we do. And so that's why truly like a lot of these YouTube channels who are just a bunch of kids who are fishing from the bank, they appeal to more people is because that's literally the bass fishing experience of most people. Right. And so I think like when you start dealing with stuff like that, like if people aren't going to pay to have their metadata 
you know, taken out and be able to have a spreadsheet that's printable or, or, or accessible on your phone or whatever at the end of a fishing trip, then these companies just aren't going to develop it. They're going to develop an instant gratification form of fishing in live scope or active target where a person can see a fish, cast a said fish and put fi said fish in the boat and fulfill that weird instant gratification thing that we've all got due to technology advances. You know what I mean? And so like, it's why. I mean, it's why Uber Eats is a is a multi billion dollar company. People want to order their food and have it brought to them, and it's there. Like they don't want to work for anything. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Yeah, Bethany, my wife pays ten dollars for a cup of coffee. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What? <laughs> but I think that's the point. Is the the money's not like literally what I'm talking about is the the end of proprietary systems because you yes. start to talk about like freeware like. Just because I mentioned like Microsoft Access and that, but like those are specific proprietary programs from Microsoft, but this is simple database construction. Like literally the internet is built on this stuff. Like the, mm -hmm. this isn't, the, the, these are basic developer concepts. You know, they're not, um, they, they're not private. They're not protected. So I think that's part of it too, because once you start going in that direction, the, like, I don't know, this stuff becomes freeware. Like it, yeah. it doesn't become like this, software is where the money's at and as long as you can hold on to that you're good and right now like Lawrence has its OS it has its dashboard its operating system Garmin does they're they're like each other but they all hold keys to their own hardware technology too mm -hmm. when you start breaking away the hardware from the software that's when things start to happen and right now it's all about software so if all of a sudden you start creating software that's integrated into any kind of hardware like any when i say hardware i mean tablets basically like and you have so you can buy this generic transducer it does 455 800 and 200 kilohertz and there's a generic software for it that integrates into all these hardware devices so your hardware it's like simple sub all of a sudden there's there's no more need for like that you know these like the rent like that kind of dashboard all that that hardware that integrates with that kind of like software so i don't know it, it walks hand in hand but it is a problem that's that's coming hey dude so you're like a computer nerd i remember the first time i was down there you were telling me about like you wanted to build a new computer but there weren't good enough processors out or like new enough processors that were motivated motivated to you to get to build a computer right it is freaking stupid. Is it? Yeah, dude. My own one out, and I've got that new AMD Ryzen 9. If any of you guys watching do video editing, the Ryzen 9, dude, it's expensive, but I've never... You guys all run Adobe when you do your videos. Yeah. I can export a freaking, like, like a 25-minute, like, 8-gig video in full res, like, with, like, a 45 bitrate, 45 to 55 two-pass bitrate, like, super quality, you know, dude, like, 1080. <laughs> In like ten minutes, dude. Eight minutes. It's like that's so stupid, dude. It's stupid fast. Sorry. Get no, but but what is the what's the price of your part? Like, are we paying? Obviously, right now we're paying for hardware and software combined from these companies. But what are we paying for in computers? We're just paying for the hardware, right? We're virtually paying for this this hardware that that's has cool. software loaded yeah. into it. Exactly. I mean, there's still you still have Microsoft and you know Apple, but like right. It's you can have Linux. Linux is the big underground one. You know, you have all these hackers and that run in Linux as an OX, which is an open source OS, dude. Like, you know, anybody can write on it, anybody can mod it as long as you know what you're doing. So, I don't know. I just like I look at like the stocks that I bought. Like, you know, Roku. 
it was a hardware company and then they they became more of a software and and actually that's what is driving you talk about um we're getting way off base we're talking like stocks and technology we are right <laughs> off, you know, the whole concept behind tesla is that they're building like a, a, a consumable product but it's it's seen as a software company like that's mm -hmm. where like the the money and the the ideas are at and really like that's all that our graphs are is their software the hardware really other than the fact that it's weatherproof i guess and you know things along those lines but the hardware isn't the unique thing it's it's the software in that and that isn't super complex like well, so right, I, I think you could buy like a garmin shell right or whatever brand you know garmin shell that has x quality and then hook it up to a hummingbird side view which is arguably one of the best on the market right like you're paying for the hardware and then you have the software that reads it all i just wonder if they're gonna like do an android thing or something like because really that's the only way that i see like them able to, to all survive you know is is like you buy the graph you want you buy the transducer that you want and all of this integrates now it's no matter what happens it's a big problem for everybody for all of that you know like because either they're going to lose market share they're going to have to you know develop more better products which they always have to. it's a, it's a mess dude someone's going to lose i guess is the simple thing you know and I, it's not going to be the consumer dude like it's just <laughs> no, like yeah. market doesn't work like that for for any kind of item like in any sort of um what do you call it hobby or um, like fun thing that we do yeah, like recreation yeah Rec yeah recreational deal like yeah. so it's yeah that's fascinating well hey let me uh, do this real quick because i gotta do it um if you want to enter the raffle go down super chat one dollar is one entry i'm giving away two hundred dollars worth of afco stuff it's an afco bundle so if you donate a dollar it's one entry twos two so on so forth so go over in the super chat if you want to enter the raffle how many people we got now like a couple hundred so like get it get your yeah we got 150 people it's already entered so get your uh get your uh your your money in there get your super chat in there so that you can be entered to win i mean it's it's 200 worth of afco gear and it's like really really cool afco gear at that the uh the shadow and the reaper you guys know i love a reaper hoodie but yeah just had to do that one more time um but yeah dude like i think it is fascinating and i think if there is definitely one good side to it we're not gonna lose like the consumer is not going to lose. Doesn't matter if it's rods, reels, line, baits. If there's one thing that if we keep spending the money, which I got a feeling that we're all going to keep spending the money, that it's only going to keep getting better and better and better. And we're not going to lose on the back end of that. You know what I mean? Um, but just, I got, I got a question for you, dude, because why I said that I thought, with saltwater fishing, dude, is it, do you see like crazy advances in saltwater fishing or is it kind of just hit a peak of like, you can only do so much to catch redfish and they're just always going to kind of do that thing. I think that it's, I think there's a lot more that, that can be done. I, I think that it's definitely hit like a plateau of, of effort of people pushing to figure out new and better ways to, to target fish. Speaking of all the electronics and, and whatnot, one of the big, you know, questions of, or one of the questions we're talking about, you know, in, in the saltwater circle are, are drones. Um, because these fish are so shallow, 
You can mm. pop a drone up. I mean, I can run out and sit in a spot, pull my boat up where I used to have to pull and trolling motor through an area and, and spend three or four hours looking. I can fly a drone over it in 12 minutes and scout the whole area and tell you if there's fish in there or not. And so it's one of those things where it's like, you know, Hey, it's, it, it's super, super helpful. And mm -hmm. I, it cuts a lot of time out, but is it too much? You know, like, yeah. is it, is it cutting that edge too much? Um, oh, so we can have a good ethics discussion here. Yeah. I love a good discussion on ethics, <laughs> especially when it comes to bass fishing in the resource, right? Or any yeah. fishing in the resource. So, me and Ben have we found fish before using a graph, or hey, I mean, using hey, a hey, hey, hold up, this is not unethical, man. I know, no, I know <laughs> it's not unethical, but I'm just saying. I don't think it is. I do it. Yeah, so and I'm perfectly. I, we've done it. I've yeah. done it down here in Tennessee. I found some fish on beds one time using my drone. We've me and Ben's found fish together using the drone on the bed, and it was just one of those things. Is Ben didn't want to fire up. So what? I said using the drone on the bed. That That's right. It was. It, we both ended up bleeding. Um, but anyway, so. <laughs> No, but so like Ben didn't want to fire up the big motor and drive to the complete other side of this thing. So we shot the drone up there and, you know, as the eagle flies or the crow flies, I mean, it's just pop. You're right there. You know yeah. what I mean? And like drones still in sight, but we can see this whole area. Well, and, you're, and you're 350 feet in the air. And you're 350 feet in the air. You know, I would say it's 250. Oh, yeah. Unless you got that new little drone no, and then you can go higher <laughs> or whatever. But anyway, um, so, but like. Thank you, Rob Massaro, by the way. That thing. Won't stop. <laughs> Did you take all the restrictions off of her and just just let her go to the moon? Yeah, I, I almost yeah. lost mine doing that crap. Okay, um, let's not talk about that. That's probably like totally illegal. The FAA is probably like sitting here like waiting just to bust down the front door. Um, but uh, ethically, let's talk about ethically. Is there going to be a point when so many guides, so many tournament anglers, like is that is that legal in tournaments? It, I mean, like, how, like, what is the no, like, totally illegal? So, even to pre-fish, totally illegal. Like, if they catch you flying yeah. a drone, yeah. Okay, so they banned all of that. Yeah, now, actually, they banned it. I'd say a strong like four years ago or something like that. Three, four years ago, when Okeechobee, since Jacob's going, you talk about when Okeechobee had the the hay fields that they talk about down on the south end. It yeah. was a discussion standpoint because there was a lot of stuff that was, unless you knew it opened up, it was unaccessible. Um, so a lot of guys were running airboats back there. Like they get an airboat guide trip to go look. But then um, some guys, the year before they banned it, they actually, they used drones to go and look for what we call ponds and stuff back there. And um, they, yeah, they banned it the next year because you could basically fly over a stretch that you couldn't idle, you couldn't see, you know, and, um, and find beds basically. So my question is, is when is the law coming? When's the when's the hammer of, of Big Brother going to come down on top of us all about crap like that? Where if you've got fishing equipment in your boat and you get caught flying a drone during certain season or a certain time or any just stupid thing that they could come up with, because it's going to be stupid. It's not going to be something that makes sense for the normal person. Right. Like. Do you, do you think that's coming and do you think it's do you think it's warranted do you think that there's going to be enough I mean that's like saying live active target or, or live scope or whatever I mean it's just as much of an advantage to you as flying a drone in some cases probably you know, so, more, probably more really truly probably more yeah yeah there's I mean a lot more boundaries with this because he's like you mentioned the FAA and stuff because I don't know if you guys saw the new restrictions that are coming 
or you have to have like remote act, remote ID on your drone. So basically like all the new drones within the next year, year and a half are going to have, they're going to ping basically. So they, like they'll be picked up. Like they'll know that they're there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. will pick them up. And if you have a drone that doesn't have it, it needs to have a remote ID, um, like a third party attachment or something like that. So in a sense, like it's a little more than just like catch and fish, like all of a sudden, you're you're playing with the law and stuff but the trick with that is what are they going to do arrest 12 year olds because there's 47,000 12 year olds running around with drones going look at me fly my drone and it's like well, what's the difference between that 12 year old going and flying around where he shouldn't and me flying it over school of fish you know right yeah yeah that's true no that's a that's kind of you know and i mean i hope nothing comes of that and i mean it's like that new i got the new little drone or whatever the little dgi mini and so, like, now I can fly it near dams. And the only reason I got it is so that I can fly it near a dam because every lake around here, you're within, you know, a distance of a dam. Well, like, the thing was, like, my big drone was stalling up on me and doing crazy stuff because it didn't want me to fly in those areas. And Seriously? so, like, Are yeah, dude. Fly it around the dam? No, you're not supposed to fly it around any of the dams. Yeah, apparently that's, like, a, a hazard with big drones. So, like, you're big, like, I had a... um I had a phantom. Yeah. And so apparently, so apparently, a phantom you can like load explosives onto it, and like you could fly it into something. So there was like a bomb threat on Norse Lake not too many months ago, and it was like because somebody was flying a drone too close, and like they thought it had I like yeah so but like mine stalled up one day like i'm flying over this dam right and like i'm wanting to get this really badass shot of like the the water coming out of the dam out of the discharge and it just looked really badass and so like i'm flying and man she just locks up yep. red you know gives you all your little red indicators you know no fly zone blah 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 return to home blah 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 well i guess something in return to home and a no fly zone got jawed up together and she just stalls out over the water. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm about to lose a $1,400 drone. And so, like, I'm, like, getting it back to me, like, feet at a time. Just like, yeah. burp, and it stops. Burp, and it stops. And so, finally, I get it back to me. And immediately, as soon as I land it, I get an email from the FAA. It says, I'm dead serious. I get immediately get an email from the FAA that says, you know, we we got a report that your drone was flown in a no-fly zone. Uh, you know, right now, there, you should no take no further action. This is your first warning. You know, if you get another one of these warnings, it could be up to a $20,000 fine and 12 years in jail or whatever, you know, like something ridiculous. Oh, like and so, like, it was at that moment, and this is kind of where this whole conversation stems from, that I was like, damn, these drones, man, like, I guess there's something to them. I mean, I guess they really are worried about the potential of what these things could do. And so that's why I picked up this smaller drone because it's under the regulation size or whatever. So it makes it legal to fly everywhere, do whatever you want to with it. Really? Yeah. It's under 250 grams or whatever. And so since it's, it's like 249 grams and they've got it like printed on the side and because it's like printed on the side and it's under 249 grams with the battery inside of it, I can fly it anywhere I want to. Because it doesn't have enough thrust up to pick up a payload with it. I where these one of those, yeah, yeah. Is so, it a DJI as well? 
Yeah, it's a DJI Mini. I think it's Mini. actually out. Yeah, it's out in the truck. And um, but yeah, dude. I mean, it's you know 4K the whole nine. I mean, it does everything the big drone does. It's not as high fidelity, but it does everything the big drone does. It's just I can now fly it the places Flyer. I want to fly it. Yeah. And that's how I got some of that footage. You know, when me and um, Caleb went and did the live bait fishing thing, like I had just got that drone, so I was able to fly it over the discharge and get that footage where before, dude, you know, you couldn't do that. But that's kind of where that thought came from. Was like, you know, how long until it's illegal to have a drone on you because of X, Y, Z. Just like it's, I think in the state of Tennessee, and I may be mistaken when I say this, but I'm pretty sure they passed a law like two or three years ago that you could not fly drone during hunting, hunting season over public land. Like, so you couldn't, I guess, look for or push deer with a drone over public land. And like it had, you know, I'm just wondering when's it going to come to fishing? I think in a lot of places they, they've they've claimed that you're not allowed to use a drone to aid you in hunting and fishing in your efforts gotcha. of hunting and fishing. So, I mean, that's a hard thing to, you know, regulate, regulate. But yeah. And I mean, for us, too, because we can all fall back on it's work. You know right. what I mean? Like, so you're going to keep me from really? making. Well, yeah, that's a conversation. I want. So what? <laughs> that's another yeah. rabbit hole. That's yeah. another rabbit. I do. We got time for rabbit holes. I mean, if you want to wow. go down a rabbit hole, dude, that's a deep one, though. Yeah, I don't want to get. You into might that. end up in Alice in Wonderland. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. maybe next time. Maybe next time we'll crack off on a whole podcast just about that thought. How about that? No, I'm no, not. he said. <laughs> he said I can't even do uh, that. No. no, I'm just pissed that it's such a hassle because, dude, in the end, like aside from all the ethics and stuff we're talking about, I'm flying the drone because I just want to make some cool videos and absolutely. Like, and it's it's become such a questionable area that I get spooked, kind of like what you're talking about with finding. Mm-hmm. Like if I put the drone up, I put it up for like literally like twelve to fifteen minutes, get it up, get some kind of scripted shot that I thought about, maybe do like a few circles around the boat or something, and I get that joker down and get done with it. And it's dude the whole time I'm like sweaty palms and stuff, which is stupid because literally like. I'm not using it in a naughty way. I'm using it to make artsy, artsy fishing videos that I think are cool and make me very happy. So thank you. From a a moral, ethical perspective, man, I remember the very first contact I ever had from you, Mikey, was um, me messaging you being like, hey, how do you deal with the haters? Like, how do you deal with guys who see where you're fishing, know where you're fishing, and deal with these guys? So you and I have a, a similar I guess um, mentality when it comes to this, where you basically said, Hey, just don't care. But like drone shots take it to a new level where guys now like they, they know the lake. They're like, this is exactly the spot you're fishing on this lake. Right. Like how do you deal with that? Because it really is a hassle. It's like, do I fly this drone and save it for like three weeks from now in a different video? I I mean, I use a lot of B roll like that, but like, I don't know, man. Like, I, it was funny because I was talking to the kid today about that. Like, I don't care anymore. Or I try not to. And I don't fish tournaments or anything. I'm sure I care then. But, like, I want to make videos. And I'm not going to catch all the fish. And I'm not the best at fishing. And I never will be. But, like, I can catch fish sometimes. I want to make a cool video. And if I shoot the drone and somebody wants to come fish that stuff, I mean, what, what are you going to do, dude? The other, the other thing, too, is, man, I've been really fortunate. Benjamin. Benjamin. Wow. Ben, you've been really fortunate too because you, you you took a leap. I don't know how deep you want to get into it, but you took a leap and, and did some stuff with fishing. And now you work in that sort of environment, which gives you the ability to, to travel more, to go fish other lakes. And the awesome part about that is 
you don't have to shoot a video on the lake down the street every time you go out because you have you were able to kind of grow what you're doing and have a little more freedom to to go out and search and so like one of the cool things i think when it comes to that spot stuff is i can go to a lake and fish it for like two days or one day and those are the two days on that lake and if i catch them I can put up that video in a week and it's awesome. And if anybody wants to go and catch all those fish or the pattern still works, that's awesome too. I'll see you in a month. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's, and everything's going to be different. So mm -hmm. like that's one of the cool things where we have an opportunity where, you know, we got, we have a wider scope, you know, and it also empowers us to, to be more open with the things that we do because of it. Yeah. And no. when it comes down to it, man, it's, it's mentality. Like I just enjoy me. Like, one of the things that I thought was really cool, a couple of years ago, my buddy told me this. He's like, I just realized that you're just as concerned about making a video from this day out fishing as you are as catching the fish when you're out there fishing. Like, yeah. obviously, I'm a fisherman at heart. Like, I want to go out and catch fish. I'm, I'm very dedicated to that craft. But at the same time, like, I also want to make a good video. So, like, that means catching fish and telling the story and, like, explaining what I'm doing. And so, like, putting all these things together, build that story and the guys that are pure, pure, pure fishermen get angry when you do the some of the storytelling parts. But who really cares? Who gives a shit? Uh, it ain't about <laughs> it ain't about their happiness. Like I, dude, I, me and I've been all the time. I'm like this, and like that's why I'm like so pro Gary V is because it's like who cares? Like your happiness is not my happiness. And like, so whatever makes you happy, go and do it. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then go away from me and go do your thing. Yeah. Like, dude, Ben, you're a great example of being surrounded by a bunch of asshats who like think that they own this <laughs> oh, massive lake. rabbit hole. Get off this one. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I, I'll, I'll say what I want to because it's the truth. Because these people think that they own this lake. They don't. I mean, I've dealt with it down here. You know, people who are just blatantly disrespectful to me and act like they don't know who I am or what I've got going on because I've had success doing something. And now they think I've ruined lakes, dude, you can't ruin a lake. I'm sorry. And that's why I had the biologist on and I blatantly just asked him the question, like, dude, like, tell me about these lakes. Like, can you out, can you literally fish out these lakes? And his clear, confident answer was there is zero way. He said, now these fish may change. He said follow they make. Yeah, I mean, seriously, follow the science. But like, but like, the dude was like very clear in the fact that he was like, there is zero way that you could fish these lakes out. And he's like, dude, it's just the fishermen. The fishing's changing every year. Fishes fishing changes. I mean, for me, dude, four years ago, like you say, man, going back to the Alabama rig, that's all we threw because that's dude, that's what they would buy. They had never seen it before, and it was like the ultimate tool. Well, now everybody and their brother stone an Alabama rig 252,655 times. And so now you got to throw a little small swim bait to catch them. And it's just, you've got to be a angler and go out and figure the fish out. And like people, man, that get down on people about making videos or doing their passion or following what they've got going on, screw them. Like I really just don't. I don't have to even, I don't even have time for that conversation. And I'll get off my milk crate. I'm sorry. Like it's just, that gets that really gets me going. So Judd, because you're a god, like tell me about obviously did you've got stuff, right? Like you've got stuff that you go that you know is confidence or juice or whatever that you can whatever year in, year out, month in, month out. Like how do you what's your perspective on 
putting out content around fishing that may inhibit your ability to make a living. Cause this literally is your job. Like it's how you put food in your kid's mouth. For sure. It's uh, I was thinking about that while you were talking about it. it it's a little different for me because I, I can't blow a spot out because I've, yep. I got to go back in there and catch fish with clients. And so it, what it does really is it kind of hinders my video. I can't, I, I'm really, really discreet on angles and cropping stuff out and not because I want to be the dot dude that's like, oh, don't fish my, st-, you know, this is my stuff. Like it, it's really because I, when I go out the next day with a client that's paying me to go catch some fish, I need those spots to kind of be areas I can get to and catch fish. So I'd love to just blow it all out and just not worry about it because it's it's super stressful to, you know, I'm sitting there like looking at my GoPro on my chest the whole time. Like, all right, I can, uh, the grass lines right here. Oh, well, that's, there's a house. I got to tilt it down a little bit. Like <laughs> it, it can get super frustrating, but um you know, that's just the way it is. And, and and hopefully my goal is to really kind of, I'm very new into the whole content stuff, but mm-hmm. try to make that flip from less guiding more into the content stuff. And, and then I'll care less about exposing this, this stuff. I mean, I don't want the, the area I fish is, is, is smaller and, and it's, it's kind of overfished. And so I don't, I don't ever want to be the person that's blowing stuff up and, mm-hmm whatnot, but I, I think I, I, I could maybe show a little bit of grass or like maybe one oyster bar in some of my videos and, and be okay with it. Yeah. So. Well, and I think, I think too, man, you know, you being a guide and correct me if I'm wrong, God's around here. It's almost kind of like a, a respect for the respect of others. You know what I mean? Right. Like all the gods kind of respect the fact that they're all out there doing their thing and like, just, just don't, you know what I mean? Like if I'm right. here, don't be here. You know what I mean? And, but then all at the same time, there's some of them that just don't care. You know what I mean? Like this is whatever, blow everything out, whatever. But right. yeah, I, I think there's, it's kind of some, it's interesting. Cause it's kind of like the thought process behind like, you know, I think both of us like the meat eater podcast, right? We like Steve yeah. Ranella mm-hmm. and like, he's a great example of somebody who has an audience that's massive and they're making these literal TV shows that are shown to millions upon millions of people on Netflix and everything else. And like they're showing these spots that if you have any, I guess, idea of the the topography of any of these locations, you could probably single in on where they're at. Right. But but I think I think in the hunting side of things, and maybe I'm wrong, there's almost a little bit more respect for that idea of like that's his spot or that's yeah. this spot that does not exist in the fishing world like it does in the hunting world. Yeah, And like conversations I have about deer hunting, even though I'm not into it as much as I used to be, are very different than conversations than I have about bass fishing. And it's very, very interesting because just the, this, the conversations are very different, you know what yeah. I mean? Just oh, the yeah. way they approach the conversation, what you actually talk about, those kinds of things. So now that's interesting. Yeah, no, I, oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, buddy. It's just the double-edged sword of of all the electronics, you know, within fishing and with hunt and hunting, and even within you know our world today. But you know, as they help us, they also hurt us. And and yeah. like the cyber scouting issue in the saltwater world is is a pretty big one. You know, you know, you just got to be careful. You know, what you yeah. post and what you share. Um, if you if you want to be careful, if you don't, mm-hmm. if you're not worried about it, it's it's kind of to each his own. There's really no right or wrong way about it. Um, what just, is that called? Cyber scouting. Cyber scouting is a term that I've I've heard and used. So yeah. like looking at someone's Instagram post and zooming in on the background and being like, oh, I know that point with the house. 
Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been fixed. I've done I that. Cyber Scout. I've done that before. Background. I'm looking. Man, I'm pretty good. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, no, I'm creepily good. Okay. Like, don't even give me a ridge I line. I, I will know where you're at. Like, I've found crap doing that before because it's just like, well, around here in Tennessee, Tennessee is a great example. And, and you've probably noticed this, Mikey, kind of living in this area. Like, Parksville Lake has a very distinct look. Yeah. different from any other place like in southeast tennessee like everything about it just looks so as soon as somebody posts a picture there i'm like i know where that's at you know what i mean and but like yeah i've i've cyber stalked people before that's that's pretty funny but yeah cyber stalking i don't that's uh i, I wonder uh i wonder how many people cyber stalk you know <laughs> Uh, this is kind of playoff this here. Ben, the other day, I tagged Ben in an Instagram post. And I said, hey, man, when are we going back to South Dakota? And because, like, I have this TikTok of us catching fish on the bed in Michigan. And, like, we both catch two five-pounders and, like, high-five the fish together and throw them back in the water. Well, this TikTok, like, took off. It ended up getting, like, 350,000 views. Dude, I'm talking thousands of comments. Where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? I finally just started making shit up. Like I was picking random places. Dude starts, all across troll- the- Dude starts trolling. I start getting these messages like he's not telling the truth. He's not in Wyoming. He's not in Minnesota. He's not in Canada. Like, Dude, and I mean, like I would be like, I would like literally Bethany would be like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm trying to find some random lake in Canada. And I would go to like Northern Manitoba and scroll in. I'm like, Lake Chickachapatawawa. Okay, that's good with me. Yeah, we're on Lake Chickachapatawato in Manitoba, Canada, and those and people are like, "Thanks, man, that's awesome." I'm like, "Yeah, dude, anytime, dude. Go, go ahead and drive up there." around that whole that whole deal. I bet. <laughs> oh, absolutely, and I hope they did. Like that would bring me no more joy than to find out somebody did that. You know what I'm, mean? dude? Somebody, great example of this again, and then we'll get off this subject because we can go on and on and on about this. I had a guy message me one time because he got mad because he tore his boat up because he ran up in some shallow water on a spot where he thought I was at. And so like you say what he's angry at you. He was angry at me because he (laughs) tore his boat up running up in a spot that, that he thought that I was at. And so he messaged me and says, are you on this spot? And I said, around that area. Well, the thing is this spot that I'm talking about, it's a massive river that runs through three different lakes. (laughs) So, when you say the name of the river, I'm just assuming that you mean somewhere along the 300 and something miles that this river runs, right? So old boy takes off up this river and tears his boat up and like then gets mad at me about it. And I'm like, dude, I didn't tell you to run your boat up in there. Like rocks and props don't go together. It's always been that way. Like, like know what you're doing before you take off 50 miles an hour up some river. You know what I mean? But all right, we'll get off this because again, this is a soapbox and a rabbit hole that we could go down forever and ever in a day. Hey, dude, but, so uh, let's let's get a couple plugs in here, and then I got to ask Mikey a couple questions. Um, so, yeah, get your plug, and I got to ask him about the Komodo. I got to ask him about the bog shirt, and then uh, oh, yeah, a couple things. Yeah, I want to know about the Komodo too. I was actually going to ask him about that because that thing very interests me very much. Um, but yeah, so plug again one more time the raffle. Enter the raffle. Super chat a dollar. It's one entry. However many times you want to enter, you know, two dollars is two, three is three, so on and so forth. We're giving away a two hundred dollar AFCO bundle with some really awesome gear in it. So go enter the super chat raffle. I want to give you guys a chance to to win some cool stuff. So go do that for me, Mikey. 
and Ben go have man time together. Man, me, the, me and, the, me and the Komodo. Just so look good. I've back. not, I've not <laughs> bought the Komodo. I've not like seen it personally, but the Komodo is backward facing ribs, backward facing ribs, and so it causes that bait to move. But talk about it for both like a swim jig and chatter bait and blade jig, whatever. So it's super cool. So obviously a chatter bait is a big deal on Okeechobee. It's like a bigger deal up on the TVA. Like on Gunnersville, dude, a chatter bait is like English. Like it's the first language, you know? And uh, they throw it a lot. And, you know, I learned from Jacob quite a bit. I've, I've learned so much moving up north. It's not that I've implemented a lot of it. I still suck up there. But I've learned a lot of just about baits, about like seasons and stuff. And that chatterbait early season, you really look for a tighter wobble and uh, the amount of pressure these lakes get. Um, some of these trailers overpower the chatterbait. Down in Florida, you know, we'll put these big swim baits on it, and it's beautiful and wonderful, but these fish are starting to get used to that as well. There's a lot of baits that are not big enough, but they're too small in the sense of, that, like, too small a diameter. Like, I don't know how to explain. They're, they're, the they're not girthy enough. They're yeah, not they got enough. the girth. So basically, like we're kind of thinking about how do we get size and subtlety, you know, like the two S's. So basically, it's like a tall kind of creature bait, but it's thin and ribbed. And the tail is completely like a, a, I don't know, it's like an organically driven action. You know, it's basically there's like a little bulbous. I think Jacob's got a great video on the Gambler YouTube channel on it. But there's like a little bulbous there, and the water comes along and it hits that joker. And between the chatterbait kicking and the water hitting that thing, it, it dude, it like quivers. It's not if you like a waggedy wag action on your chatterbait, you're not gonna like it. So if you want something subtle, tight, early season chatterbait, or if you have high pressure to clear water, it, it swims, dude. Like if you watch the underwater video, thank you, Rob Matsura. The underwater video, dude, like the thing just it quivers and i like that the more i've fished um outside of florida and even on some of my deep lakes the more finessey i get and finessey doesn't mean like i'm always throwing six pound test or anything like that but i always am trying to move in a direction of subtlety versus obscenely obtrusive things like even like swim bait stuff you know we we talk about these caleb dude Cannot say enough about that stupid river to sea S waiver. Well, <laughs> it's a big clunky freaking bait, but it is the most subtle bait you have ever seen in your life, dude. Like it literally just glides back and forth. And I really think there's something to that as we talk about it's actually a question I want to ask Judd in a little bit too, but we get more people into fishing, there's more pressure. We always bitch about the pressure, but at the same time, you got to do something about it. And the doing something about it is modifying our presentation. So basically the concept was um, get a trailer that's tall, that looks like a, a bait fish on the, on the, the, the hook that fits a jackhammer that fits the, what is it? The cricket or whatever, the strike King one, um, something that swims sort of independently of itself. It draws action from the chatterbait, but doesn't take away from it. And, um, you know, put it on there and uh, just let it swim. It does the same thing on a, on a swim jig. What I'm really stoked actually about doing is is stroking the jig with it. It's mm -hmm. going to be um, stroking a jig. And I'll rig it flat when I do that. But like a football head on the ledges, dude, that thing is going to dart all over the place and be stupid. But it, it's pretty cool, man. The underwater like video on it speaks for itself. Like if you want to know what the bait does, go watch it. You're either going to like it or you're not going to like it. But is that like – so the reason you want to put it horizontal and stroke in a jig is to cause it to kick out. 
Yeah, I want it to more like flutter down. I might try it vertical because then it might actually dart more like a fluke, but I'd want it more flat so that it basically it waddles down a little bit more, but you're still going to get the darting action because honestly, when you I think when you hit that jig, like a football jig, it's not always going straight. Like it'll angle so yeah. it might actually go to its side and stuff like that. Yeah. That's interesting, okay. dude. That's really uh, – I actually had a question for you, dude. So this yeah. is uh, – and this kind of comes back to like an industry thing. More people are getting into fishing with COVID and stuff like that. Have you seen one – uh, a larger population of bank fishermen or just new anglers in your, you're in a smaller body of water. So it's kind of like a cool, maybe testing ground or it's something that yeah. you can possess based on personal experience. And two, have you seen an influx of clients who are first time fishermen that are coming to do an outdoor activity? Cause that's all that's available to them. Yeah, most definitely. So North Carolina was up 60% in fishing license sales this year. Mm -hmm. um, so just a massive, massive, new, maybe not new to fishing, but, but at least hadn't bought licenses in quite a while. Um, I, I did see quite a, you know, a, a change in clients where I was getting a lot of phone calls from people that, you know, they were locked up in their house for a while and wanted to get out and try some fishing, get their kids fishing, do stuff outside. Um, and in return, you know, you're talking about being finessey. Like a, a lot of our fish were very pressured this year and trying to fish them a little bit differently, like where I could usually fish a big, you know, paddle tail or swim bait, if you will, in a school of redfish, like I'm fishing a Ned rig or something real small and, and, and talking about going, you know, as time progresses. And I think this is going to be in the saltwater world too, more and more, you know, just year after year, figuring out how to be more and more subtle. Like for, for me, the biggest thing in sight fishing, and I'm not always sight fishing, but, but it helps me learn how these fish react to different baits when I can't actually see them react to the baits. Um, is letting that fish feel like they found it. Like if I force a bait in on a fish, no matter what kind of bait it is, they're going to spook. They're not going to eat it. But when you can, no matter if it's a chatter bait, a spinner bait, a gold spoon, a Ned rig, a swim bait, when I can allow that fish to think it saw the bait first, you know, and, and work its way to the bait, they're going to eat it every time when I'm forcing it in on them, it's spooking them. Like imagine when you're sitting there and like a little gnat, flies into the corner of your eye. You know, it feels way bigger for a split second than it really is. That's the same way, even with a small Ned rig. Like if you creep it in on the side of a fish where, where it's kind of startling it, you have a lot less chance of that fish eating the bait uh, than, than if you can kind of allow that fish to find the bait first. So, um, but, but, but the, the subtlety, I, I guess I did answer your question. A lot more people fishing finesse has become like a big part of, of having these pickier fish eat this time of year and, and throughout, you know, the past, eight, 10 months. That is fascinating. I've never thought about presenting a bait that way. That's isn't it? Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Different perspectives like that. Because sometimes we get so locked in our own box. Do you still not get that joke? <laughs> I'm still, yeah, I'm still clueless yeah. on that one. Is I mean, That's I don't. Cool. All right. But like we get so locked in our own like little frame that, you know, like I think that's why a lot of Florida guys are really good too, though, because they cross over, they do a lot of yeah. saltwater fishing and they do the inland fishing and you see the techniques or perspectives cross over. And some of the things I've seen some of those inshore guys do on freshwater lakes, I'm like, are you kidding me? And then they're all bowed up, dude. Like it's, it's kind of, 
it's interesting because they bring a different perspective to the table. That's one thing yeah. I share with clients all the time is, is diversifying does nothing but make you a better angler, whether it's yeah. Wahoo fishing offshore or bass fishing or red fishing. Like I want to do it all. I don't want to be a good fly fisherman. I don't want to be a good, you know, red fishman, bass fisherman. I want to be good at all of it. Cause it's going to make me, my, my end goal is to just be a better angler, you know? And, and through that is, you know, I can get to that through encountering as much different fishing as I can. So that's how I look yeah. at it. I love, I love that. I love it. And so, that's why, that's why like I want so many people like Mikey and you and everybody to come on here and talk. Cause it was like last week we had on, we had on um, Epic Eric and like some of the things he said in his perspectives kind of just this week, I applied them in my fishing world. And like what you just said, Judd, like I'm going to apply that in my fishing world more, you know, especially when it's like comes to clear water fishing, like making a fish think that they found it and giving them that, that feeling of I've got this thing like right, dead right. to rights. You know what I mean? Cause they're predators. If they've got it dead to rights, they're more likely going to eat it. And it's like, I don't know, dude, that's, I love that. That was, that was, that was beautiful. and almost made me really? cry. <laughs> so like, would you rather, so would you rather like stick to or stick to one species of fish or like, are you totally open to any sort of species? Oh, I'm right? totally like, open. I'm a whore. <laughs> no i i like it all man like i i love bass fishing i suck at it but i love going with my brother and learning and like i said that's all i watch like i'm like the the saltwater dude that's got like a football jig and a freaking i don't even know I'll, i'm catching them to, in, in oyster beds like i truly was like when i watched a youtube video for the first time about like you know, a football jig he doesn't get, you know, hung up in, in rocks as much. I was like, oh, my gosh, when I'm fishing over oyster, I can throw a football jig. And it freaking works. And, like, no one's throwing a football-shaped jig head in salt water for redfish. But you can work it through oysters. If it gets snagged up, you can wiggle a little bit, and it'll come out of there. So, like, there's just all these things from each different type of species and each different style of fishing and each different area of fishing that, that we're missing out on if we don't have these conversations. That you're like, all these wheels start turning and doors start opening. So, which dude, out. man, like, it's so interesting that you say that. Epic Eric was like, man, I watched these, like, European live streams and yep. Russian live streams where, like, they talk about all these things that I can't understand. <laughs> but he's like, I learned about this chartreuse, like, eight-ounce wobblehead swinghead jig with a one-out hook off the back, and they put these tiny little baits on it. It's like, how can I apply that in the U.S.? Right. Whereas my mentality is, I'm going to watch Mikey and I'm going to watch the pros and I'm going to see like what they're doing in the free yeah. rig and what's going on in Japan. And it's a box. It <laughs> is, box. man. It is a box. But at the same time, like my brain is wired where I'm like bass. Like if it's not a bass, like my brain just. Me too. Yeah. I, I, but you know, what's so, funny Ben, is I messaged you remember about the drop shot thing. So yeah. Judd, when we were doing the dropping out, when we were out offshore, yeah. The way that you were rigging your hooks and your weights on there, yeah, I'd never seen that before. And I told Ben, I said, "Do you think we could apply this for a drop shot and have a farther separation from the line on a drop shot and just present that bait in a little bit different way?" Yeah. And Ben was like, "I've never done it. I don't see why it wouldn't work." And then too, like I hate tying a drop shot, so it's just like a quick way for me to tie a drop shot. You know what I mean? And so like. It was one of those things like I got outside of that realm of like, this is the way you do a drop shot. And I thought, man, this could be something just even if it's subtle. I mean, you know, right. two, three inch separation from the line may be something crazy that these fish have never seen before. Give a small swim bait in action or whatever it is and yeah. totally just 
hit a new segment of fishing that I've not hit. You know? And like, there's so there's so many things, man. Like you don't even think of, but at the same time, like Rick asked me in the Monster Bass live stream like two weeks ago. He's like, if you could fish anywhere in the country, if you could fish for any anywhere in the world, and you could fish for any species, what would it be? And I'm like. The only thing I could think of, the, literally the only thing that came to my mind was Buffalo, New York for smallmouth bass on these shoals out there. And he looked at me like I was the most crazy person ever. <laughs> He's like, dude, Buffalo, New York, like I'll send you there. Like I will give you <laughs> you can get there. That's but, awesome. But like that's just where my brain is. And so to like hear these perspectives, I get it. And like there's so many things I'm missing, but like – it's so cool to hear the other perspectives where there's mm -hmm. so many things that you guys do that we could learn from, but I'm not the guy that's probably going to find them. <laughs> I'm not either. I'm not the guy that's going to find them. Uh, I think our biggest downfall as fishermen and, and, you know, this type of fisherman is like thinking that we know all the ways to catch these fish or, or like mm -hmm. thinking because it hasn't been done or like, you, you're like, could we do this? Could we rig our drop shots this way? Like, yeah, you can rig them however you want to. Like th that's mm -hmm. how people figure out these new techniques is by trying something different and taking it from somewhere else. Or, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally that way of like, you know, like, Oh, I should probably, you know, throw this. I, I should try this today. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to stick to what, what I know because it's mm -hmm. worked for me before instead of pushing, pushing it further and further. You, you know, what hasn't seen an Alabama rig very often is schools of redfish and speckled trout <laughs> and, and they freaking, they love them. <laughs> You just got to find one that holds up, dude. I know they did trash them pretty good, but especially the redfish yeah. on that wire, but oh, yeah. that, trout, you can get away with it. I, I, uh, when I come back down there, I want to bring some bass tackle and just see what I can break. Um, just, Heck just, yeah. to, I just want to break something. You know what I mean? Like, cause there's a, there's definitely one thing I do with all my fishing stuff. And people ask me like, Hey, do you like that reel? I'm like, well, I've not broke it yet. And they're like, <laughs> so is that a yes or a no? I'm like, yeah, I like it. Cause I've not broke it. yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? I had 27 broken rods last season. Ugh. Not not all from me, but through guiding and through myself. It was 27. That was my, my best year ever. <laughs> that's uh that's rough. I only broke four last year, so that's that's rough. Like that's real rough. rough. So um how you breaking them? Uh a lot of high sticking rods at the boat when I were getting fished by the boat and like this. Uh, I break quite a few on, on the false albacore and the bonita. Like you'll get them up by the boat off the beach. Um, same deal. People think the fish are done and they take off onto the boat and the rod goes around the gunnel and pops it on the gunnel. What's um, it's like a little tiny tuna that just blitzes on the surface right off the beach in the fall. You can just go throw these little jigs in and reel them as fast as you can. And they eat them and you watch how your line disappear and you got to reel it all back in. Do they taste like tuna? No, the albacore are absolutely disgusting to eat. <laughs> <laughs> they just yeah, pull really hard and they're fun to catch. Didn't I catch one? I think I caught one. Yeah, you caught, you caught some trolling. Yeah, dude, and they like they did go insane. Like, cause yeah, for a minute insane. we thought they were big fish, but dude, they were just going absolutely. Oh, and in the eight. fall, we're catching those on like twenty five hundreds. Oh god, I bet that would be fun, oh, dude. Fun. That fun. sounds ridiculous. I tell you what, we all need to do is just like plan a saltwater trip and all go get educated on Come on, on the salt, it. dude. Like no, that would be. You're not doing it. <laughs> I ain't got no money for all this shit. Like, dude, if I start liking saltwater fishing. I'm don't done. do it, dude. I don't barely afford to live at this point, dude. I can barely afford my box. I don't need a big square. I'm gonna stay in my box. Dude. Well, when you need your one saltwater trip a year, call me. It's on me. You can come fish me. <laughs> <laughs> that 
that would actually be fun because there's actually really good freshwater fishing over there. Yeah, we got we've got Jordan Lake and Falls Lake and Sharon yeah. Harris Lake all all within two hours of me, which are real solid. Dude, I tell you what we need to do is we need to plant it in the spring when it gets silly, like on Jordan and Falls and all that. All that. I'll pull the boat down, and we'll go inshore for reds and all that stuff. And then me, me and you will head up to like Jordan and Falls and just go. Crap, I'm down, dude. I'm down. Large mouth. Cause that crap is right up my alley fishing like this deep with a frog and a chatterbait, like a man. Oh yeah. Like, give it to me. But Ben, were you going to say something, buddy? No, not really. There, I'm just, I'm there. just enjoying. I'm looking over at the comments, like responding to a bunch of guys. So. Ben, see Ben, me and Tim talked before we got on here. I was like, dude, I need you to moderate. Like I need a moderator because I get going and just get talking. Cause I got a big mouth and uh, a lot of words come out of my mouth and I don't pay attention to anything that anybody's saying. So Ben and Ben and Bethany, Be- Bethany plays. I love the comments, man. I'm over here like having full blown conversations about Japanese lure designers. and like, man. I gotta have one conversation. Yeah. Uh, no, that's me, dude. Like I can only focus on so many things at one time. I can barely so, focus on one. I know. Right. <laughs> I wish there was like there's a lot of we get a lot of like d- media disbursement you know and it's centered in certain genres but there isn't a good drudge is political so like that's kind of not the best example but from a format standpoint it's a good example like we don't have a good aggregator in freshwater fish or specifically bass fishing I should say like somebody like Kumar does a pretty good job in Bass Buster but he's become very pro focused he like he used to do a lot more stuff that was like a little more risque, you know, and he'd find kind of Miranda stuff. He gets a lot of stuff in there, but there isn't a really good bass aggregator that really trolls the internet for just everything, you know? And you know, what's really weird is um, Casey from Sixth Sense had called me back when we used to be pretty tight. And he was like, dude, there's no one that really does anything. That's like just an aggregation of bass fishing from across the, yeah. the internet. Right. He's like, they sort of have like a couple like bass fans sort of does it, but yeah. like he kind of told me that this didn't exist. And now I see it like a good generation. Like you need someone who's knowledgeable with not too much bias, but is able to kind of read content for what it is from a, a critical perspective. Cause there's a lot of fluff, you know? So you gotta yeah. like do that. You'd be good at it, Ben. Like, honestly, because you're, uh, you're intellectual enough you know, where you can analyze and be critical, but you're also open enough where like you, yeah, you'd find those little niches, dude. Like I think that would actually be something cool. There you got a job, dude. Surprise. Heck yeah, man. Like I'm the new, uh, instead of bass blaster, I'm the ass blaster. So. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> oh, that went off the rails quick. Um, can I, um, God bless. <laughs> Woo. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, and we're done. No, I'm just kidding. Um, God. Um, so one thing that bothers me, you know, you're talking about aggregate, you know, like an aggregate for, for bass fishing information. One thing that bothers me is like that there's no conversations other than like this conversation that's being had out there in the fishing world. Like everything is either super hyper pro focused or Guggen squad. Like there's no in between. And that's the only two examples that I can give because it's the God honest truth. Like I, agree with that. I think that, that we don't get hyped as much. Like that's what I'm saying. Like viewership, but it doesn't mean that the content isn't there. Yeah. It, well, you what I'm for it, though. that's the problem. So what was that last part? I'm sorry. You got to search for it. Like you actually yeah. have to like, like, you know, 
what do you call it? Like make a conscious effort to like find that kind of content. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just wish that like there was something whether, you know, and I mean, that's why I kind of do what I do. And I, I mean, Mikey, you know, I assume that's kind of, you do what you would do. I mean, it's real fishing. Like that's your hashtag, right? I mean, well, I, I, I got it. Me, dude. Like that's one thing that like, I mean, I like that people like watch them and stuff, but yeah. it's a self-centered endeavor. Like it started as a fishing journal and I like making them and yeah. like, it makes me kind of happy. So, yeah. Like, well, that's me. That's I, me. Like I, I find joy in it, but yeah. I, and I, and I love the content that I make, but I mean, I feel like one thing that I do try to make a conscious effort in doing is doing stuff like this, where I have conversations with a bunch of people with a bunch of different perspectives other than mine. And we all kind of get on here and make this style of content. You know what I mean? Like where we have these conversations, but Mikey, you're so right. Like, I think that's why we're not like, we're not hopped because like, like you got to make a conscious effort to come find guys that do the kind of content that we kind of do that have the, the similar attitudes that we kind of do about the fishing world. You know what I mean? But like, I want to see something. I always refer back like meat eater, like Steve Ranella esque meat eater esque styles of content and conversation around bass fishing, fishing in general, because it, it I'm, Maybe I'm stupid and I just don't see it, but like when I type in fishing on Spotify looking for podcasts, they don't exist. But if I type in gaming or or whatever else, it pops up. And the only fishing podcasts that exist other than like mine and a few other people all are centered around professional bass fishing and following it like following it like it's the MLB, like statistics and data and discussing with pro anglers like I just want people who just like really just love to go fishing and hang out to be yeah. able to have a voice just as much as everybody else does. You know what I mean? And not like a drama stirring issue either. No, it is drama because like, dude, you know, so I, I want you guys all to sign the paper that you're not going to steal the video title from me, but like, I want to make a video that's like, <laughs> is pro fishing really pro or something like that? Like some kind of clickbaity thing, because like in reality, when it comes down to it, yes, these guys are good. I love Jacob to death, and he's an excellent angler. And nine times out of ten, he'd probably whoop my ass. But in the end, it takes commitment and money. And those are two things. Don't get me wrong, dude. Like, yeah. you know, like the big deal. And a lot of people can't do them because they got kids, family, or whatever. They're not like, but like, dude, we could go out and fish that shit. I'm not saying that I can or, or will or anything, but like, it's not. I don't know this, the entourage and the media focus. There's, I mean, there's dollars there and that's why they focus on it. But yeah, the, the hyped up like glorification of professional fishing is, is a media creation, man. It's not, you know, it's, it's a trope. You got to think that there's the guys out there, the unsung heroes, like they don't have an Instagram. They don't have a freaking YouTube Mm -hmm. channel that are out there that would smoke everyone. You know, Mm -hmm. that there's dudes out there like that. Yeah. Yeah, there is. There's a flash on YouTube for that, though, dude. I mean, like, literally, like, you got to remember, too, Alex, like, we piss and moan a little bit about this, but we we would not have any kind of voice at all if it weren't for, like, a technology equivalency factor that's occurred. Like, oh, we yeah. we're still nobody. Like, me, you, Ben, Judd, like, we're nobodies, but, like, the fact that we're able to hedge technology and do some of this stuff all of a sudden, we've created our own 
like avenue to have a voice and mm -hmm. and anyone can do that all it takes is a little work i think that's the other thing that true. Like, i always get like things like on the videos or like messages from guys and dude like i'm all for people shooting videos and stuff like but they're like how can i how can i shoot video and do the biggest thing is go and freaking do it yeah just work Literally. and dude you might not get a following right away you might not get that but you have the ability to project your voice and create content that highlights your perspective or what you like and think as much as anybody else whether it works and like gets drawn up or draws any sort of like following like that's the game we play but i think there's something to be said to about where we're at because 20 years ago dude we were like we couldn't say any of this stuff like yeah. it was literally a censored pro-driven like faux narrative like that that and that what fishing what dude the freaking jerkbait thing is the best highlight ever with cochran winning on a on a on a freaking lucky craft and uh, and he said it was like a strike king or some garbage or something <laughs> like a cover-up but yeah Tired of narrative structure of media surround pro fishing, like subscribe to it, followed it, enabled it, and like it did it. So like I think we're at a much better place. So like, yeah, there's stuff to like that we can do better, but we're a lot more down the road and in a lot better place than we were 10, 15 years ago, dude. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, you, you know, by you saying that, I mean essentially, I am I'm solving the bitching and moaning problem that I'm expressing. Exactly. You know. Like I'm, I'm doing exactly what I want to see happen. Like I am trying to manifest this into like, this is what I want to see in the fishing industry. And maybe it's, maybe it's selfish. Maybe it's not, but like, I just want to see a culture of like awesome dudes who just love fishing, but aren't completely centered around going and spending a, a boatload of money to go try to chase a tournament dream. Cause like, I like tournament fishing. I like kayak tournament fishing. That's what I like to do. And I find joy in it. But it, it's not the center of my life where, like, forever, man, like, that was all, like, when I grew up, and I guess, like, you know, I grew up in the 90s, right, in early 2000s, and, like, that time frame, man, like, was really, that entire bringing up, the only thing that I knew about bass fishing was what my dad taught me and what we watched on Saturday morning on Bassmasters. And so, like, I... I thought like, well, that's the only way I'll ever be able to fish for a living is like, I'll be a bass master. <laughs> you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, and that's like the, and Ben, Ben, we've talked about this before, man. It's like the mindset that I had. And it was like, but deep down, it was like, man, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't enjoy this. And then it's like, you're right, Mikey. Like when I finally figured out that I could do this in my way and express how I wanted to do this thing. It was like I found my little world, my little box, I guess. I found my box. I found my box to live inside of and like do my thing and, and express my viewpoints on stuff. And maybe nobody listens, maybe they do. And luckily I'm blessed to have 40,000 subscribers now and it just continues to grow and people obviously like what I'm talking about. I mean, y'all are here sitting with my ugly ass. So, I mean, there's something, something's going right. But dude, you're right. That's, I kind of needed that. That was good. I like the fact that it's like it just made me go. You know what, Alex? You're solving your own freaking problem. Quit complaining about it. I really like that. Thank you. Well, Mikey. what's <laughs> funny too? I mean, we've talked about it, right? Like bass fishing tournaments were the only way to get into being anyone in the tournament industry or anyone into the bass fishing industry. Like Jimmy Houston, Roland Martin, Bill Dance. If you didn't fish tournaments, if you didn't win majors, you wouldn't be up in bass fishing world, right? You're now seeing a change. 
but then you get all these kids i get all the time how do i become how do i get to where you are like how do i get to the stage you're at and i'm like man just film or like how do i make videos or how do we or get on youtube film. just film yeah. and i'll be honest man like <clears throat> it would be hard at this stage of my life to do what i've done already because I don't know that I have the same motivation or, or like drive that I used to have, but now I'm at a point where like, it's just built in habit. But like, man, the guys like Mikey and Alex, man, you guys post videos three, four or five times a week. And it's just like, it's, it's just kind of insane. Like you guys still have this driving passion, but you also have like this love for fishing and also this love for the video and the art side of it, where it doesn't matter if you grow another subscriber, it doesn't really matter. Right. Like that's, that's, what's kind of cool about this thing. And, and a lot of people see this and they're like, Guggen squad, man, I can get rich doing this, but yeah. it's not. Yeah. It's, it's this passion that goes beyond being rich and enjoying the videography and enjoying the fishing. Yeah. yeah. But I'm kind of a novelist too. Like, I, I don't know. That's why I'm also like, like there's an anger too, like to an extent, because like it was bullshit. Like when I like made a lot of those videos and me giving the finger to like, like you said, there's like a, a sort of monopoly on, on the, like who has voice, like with bass. I love bass masters. I'd watch it every Saturday and then they'd repeat it again on Sunday. But like one of the questions I always had is why do they get to talk about this? That's bullshit for you. You know, like, I, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, dude, no, yeah, I get it. I dude, I, I'm able to share my experience. But here's yeah. the other thing too, is we like the Google squad and stuff, like, and I've had this conversation on a podcast before, like literally our stock market right now, if you want, I will give you the biggest stock tip ever buy disruptors, like anybody freaking buying stuff. Like, so like literally the Google squad and that, that template of content creator is a disruptor. And that's what we need in this. Like, if you want to shake things up, if you want to change who has a voice, like, you don't always get an outcome that you want, but in order to get some kind of different outcome, you have to have a disrupted market. And that's what's happening. Like, these, a lot of these companies, now they're starting to integrate, but they're scared shitless of, like, these, all of a sudden, someone will show up on YouTube, create a company, or create, like, some sort of different narrative, or sell to all these pond kids. Look at this giant, like, demographic of anglers who is not being catered to, who is not being spoken to, who is not being taught, who is not being just like addressed in any way. And all of a sudden, like this, this group of content creators came along and they spoke directly to them. Mm. And, and like the fishing industry could never reach them. They would market, they would spend money on ads, they would pay all these pros. And they never even scratched the surface of this huge demographic that was sitting there that could have made them all this money. So like, th that's kind of how I look at it. I'm like, what, what, it's continually disruption. Like the, the big disruption has already happened, but it's continually like reformatting, reformatting. And it's only going to get worse because it's going to get saturated and that forces more change and more change. So, And it's the bottleneck. Me and Ben had a conversation yesterday. I said, I said, we're hitting a, I believe we're hitting a bottleneck and I believe it started a couple years ago of like, you're, we're going to have to bottleneck down into these niches within the grand scheme of what is right. fishing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Look at the specific content on YouTube. I don't even watch YouTube and I freaking know it's all like, yeah. we have a, so we do stuff. So what would you call us like technique learning driven with some experience oriented or like, you know, on the water type stuff, you know, like product. Yeah. And then you have, you know, your entertainment sections, you have your, 
like travel, like vlogging style, like it's, and even beyond that, I guess there's guys that simply do reviews. Like, you know, I think yeah. was a good example. Like basically he does almost a hundred percent like product reviews and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. it's, special, but that's the way it is with everything. Like yeah. literally because of the internet, we live in a niche society, man. Yeah. And I mean, you know, these companies I work with are building entire marketing plans around that idea of like, there's different people who fit into categories and we put you in these baskets because that's the category you fit into. And we want you to work within that little basket. You know what I mean? Segmenting, dude. segmenting yeah. your audiences, segmenting your market. But dude, that's also costly, which means you're going to have companies that are going to focus on, you know, capitalizing on a specific end of the market. We can't win all battles, but which two of the 10 markets can we conquer and dominate? You know, like, like Orvis. Orvis is like a great fishing brand. Dude, they don't even touch freaking bass fishing. You know what I mean? Like, it's all like, you know, fly stuff and that. They, they focused on their niche and they're going to be the best at it that they possibly can. And that's probably what it's going to come down to. And hopefully we get enough growth in in people fishing where it allows that to happen. There's, there's more money and it creates more flexibility in the industry, you know, it'd be mm-hmm. good for everybody. Mm-hmm. And then you got Mikey, who's literally just a G and is like, eh, I don't really like, I want to buck the trend of joining a brand and just kind of do, do it. Unless dude, someone can pay me. <laughs> I, know. I know that's what I love, dude. I'll give everybody the finger again, dude. I'll be the best like, yeah, no. I love love the fact that, Mikey, that you said is just like, I just wanted to like say screw you because like I had I had that thought. I'm like me and Ben's talked about this. Like I just wanted I wanted to do my videos and just be like, man, look, I can do this and like not do it the way that you did it, like not conform to this like little preset destination preset of like factors that I have to do to be able to have a conversation with the head of a marketing division or whatever it is. Right. Like for you, you have a different perspective. Like, you know, you don't work with any particular brand other than other than gambler and you like you do your own thing. But it's like for me, I, I you know, I work with certain companies. Luckily, I mean, I never thought I would do that, but I had that same mentality and I still do. It's just like, I, I love everybody's dedication and I want everybody to be happy in their, in their little segment, but all at the same time, I just want to be like, screw y'all. I didn't have to do it the way you had to do it. And like, if you don't like that, then screw you. Okay, let's go. You know what I mean? Like I, I like that. Dude. Like that's, yeah. But that's good though. Like it's, yeah. you know, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I think you gotta have a chip on your shoulders about too. Otherwise, like Ben was saying, like, it's tough to find motivation. If you're not a little angry with something or somebody dude, like, being happy isn't good motivation. <laughs> man, that is the truth, man. Like being being super content and super like, yeah, I'm glad to just be making videos. It's like, yeah, like you don't even have to be angry. You just have to be uncomfortable. Like you I'm just want to be a little better than somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't have to yeah, be everybody. Just that one person. Let's yeah. uh, let's give everyone one more shot to hop in here and donate, or excuse me, enter. Oh, the- Donate. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, we're just donating money into the Alex Redfish. Enter, enter the raffle for the $200 giveaway, and then uh, let's do this thing because I am starting to fade. Oh, God. He's a big old puss. But anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> $1 is a one entry into the raffle. $2 is two all and up, like I've said it a million times now. Enter the raffle. It's a $200 AFCO bundle. Really, really cool stuff. And now that I've said that, Judd, I have a question for you. Now that me and Maki and Ben have bitched and moaned about professional fishing and competitive fishing and the way the industry looks for that, 
in saltwater, does that even exist? Is that even like a thought process that goes through your guys' heads? Is there even a like I know nothing about saltwater fishing to the point of like, is there are there professional like competitive guys? Like, what's it look like? There's a competitive scene for sure. It's definitely more popular down in like Texas and Louisiana, um, and like the Panhandle of Florida. I would say guiding is almost like the professional. I don't view it as the professional version of fishing, but like when guys are really into saltwater fishing, like they want to be a guide. There's not yeah. this, like, I want to be a, you know, a tournament angler. Or I, not even really. I want to make YouTube videos, you know, to make a living. It's more so, you know, it's less saturated for sure than the bass fishing fishing world, but I would say it's the, the guiding aspect or, or mating on like an offshore boat or doing something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's very different in that in that aspect for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I've listened to um, podcasts that you did with a guy. I think he was from like Colorado or something. Uh-huh. And, uh And he was a fly guide, and, he, and then he had moved somewhere to redfish, and then I'm not sure who it was. I was listening to it last night. It was really okay. interesting. Um, but like, and you know him from, I guess when you guided somewhere else or something like that. But like, it fascinated me to think. Like I have never once in my life ever, ever thought I could guide and go catch fish for a living and like guide people like that thought, like in, I guess the bass fishing world, like that thought process never even crossed my mind as an opportunity to even have any success doing anything in the fishing world. And so it's fascinating to hear like fly guides that are out like in the West, you know, big sky country guys, who are out in like Colorado and stuff doing that. And like you talking about saltwater that like that's in your mind, how you do it for a living. Yeah. And yeah, so it, maybe go ahead. Oh no, no. I was just going to say that it's, it's funny, man. It's just like, like we were talking about niches. Like there's these little niches, these little micro communities of how people re- you know, interact with fishing and, and they can be so different and so foreign to each other. But, but that's a lot of it. Like a lot of my friends in the, in the industry, like, you know, for the longest time I traveled and guided, like I would spend. And, and so same with like everyone else that I was hanging out with, I'd spend part, part of the year in Montana, part of the year, like in down in the keys, part of the year in Louisiana, part of the year in North Carolina. And so just kind of traveling around with the seasons. Yeah. Same deal as like the tournament fishing, you know, it's, it's really the same. You're, but you're instead of tournaments, your, your tournaments are clients and, and, and fisheries that you're taking them to. So, um, I like that though. I I like you guys. I've I've met a lot of really cool guys. I met some asshats, but I've met some really cool (laughs) guys that are like, they're just they just kind of got your mentality. You know what I mean? And I think it's fly fishing guys too, man. You you fly fishing guys are just like you're a different cool. Yeah, you're a different gear. (laughs) I like you. Like you're my kind of gear. It's like conservation and ethics and like i can have weird conversations with you that i can't have with bass fishing guys and i think that's mikey kind of going back into your thing man like i wanted to give the middle finger to him and be like this is my perspective on this like this is what i want to talk about you know what i mean nobody's talking about it but well boys i'll tell you what we've been at it now for Oh, stop. Wait a minute. Hey, one more thing. Um, huge shout out, Matt Woodward. Dude's posting all over TikTok. Mikey and him. We're not mentioning him, but Matt and Mikey just smashed a mega bag. 
Yeah, that was what I was talking about. Matt, is he really posting that on there? Yeah, it's all up on TikTok, dude. He's like, Mike Balls and I, best best day I've ever had on By the, the way, so. that kid, you want to talk about the nicest kid, dude, who just puts out like kind of like honest content and has some fun with it and making his own way? That's the kid, dude. It's yeah. super cool, dude, man. And I always, it's weird when I invite people to go fishing and that, and Matt, seen, Matt actually commented on the videos and has been watching for years. I'm like, Dude, come down, and you never know what you're gonna get into. Like, you know, like, and it's like guiding. You know, I, like I'm not asking him to pay me to go fishing or anything like that. And he came down, and you want to talk about just a chill, awesome dude. Like, if you go follow him on TikTok, if you're on there on Instagram, it, it's worth it, dude. It's supporting a kid making his own way, and doing some cool shit, dude. Nice, nice. So I have to go follow. I think I've seen him on TikTok. Like. Actually, inspiration for you too, Alex, for some TikTok stuff. He does some cool stuff. Yeah, there, dude. I'll check him out. His name's Matt Woodward. Matt Woodward. I'll send it to you. Okay, cool, cool. Well, boys, we've been on here for two hours and 15 minutes, and it has been a lot of great conversation, a lot of fun. Um, I think it's time that we see who won the raffle and give away some AFCO stuff. And then uh, if you boys want to go ahead and, and go, you can so you can get in bed because I know it's like, what, 1120 by now, so it's late. Yeah. But, uh, hey, I appreciate you guys. Judd, I'm going to come down there and fish with you soon. Mikey, yeah, when you get it. back up here north, just text me, and we'll make a time, date, place. We'll go fishing, hang out, and make some content. Awesome. And, uh, yes, sir. So if you all want to stick around, you can, but we're just going to gonna draw us a winner here real quick. Gentlemen, I just wanted to thank you because I got to wake up early in the morning. Judd, it was great meeting you. Ben, good to meet you too, man. Yeah, it's been way too long. And Alex, your beard makes me happy, dude. So thanks for inviting me on, man. I really appreciate it. Anytime I can go like that, like it makes me very happy. Yeah, give him the the double finger, son. You're welcome, Amy. You're welcome anytime to just tell the system to go screw itself on my podcast. Like anytime. (laughs) Five minutes, like the five minute finger with Mikey on Friday. Five five minute finger. Five five minute finger on Friday. Mikey pops and he's like, and then he's out again. There he is. I love it. All right, gentlemen. Thank you. And thank you for all the nice comments on us all. I'll catch you guys later. All right. Later, man. I'm a boogie too. I got to get up and, and guide tomorrow morning. Okay, hey, so good. Hey, nice um, to meet you. do everybody, 137 of you guys are in here. Judd is a guide in North Carolina, um, Eastern Angling, correct? If they Google Eastern, Eastern, Ang- mm-hmm. Eastern Angling, I've also linked it down below in the description. Um, I also linked his YouTube channel. I linked Mikey's YouTube channel. Go check out Judd if you're in the North Carolina area, if you're planning a trip over there, vacation, and you want to go catch fish, hit the dude up, book a trip. He's a fantastic guy. He will not break your leg. I promise. That was that was really <laughs> it's only happened so, on three different trips. So yeah, only and he only and he's only ever killed one person. So he's got that going for him. Two people. But, but, uh, <laughs> two people. That one. If Alex would have just taken some damn dirt and just rubbed it on there, man, he would have been fine. Man. That's the problem with the ocean, man. There's no freaking dirt. You got to. I know, man. You had to rub some dirt into it's it. It's salt in the wound, son. Okay, salt in the wound. We all have a killer night, man. I'm I'm looking forward to to fishing together again sometime and hanging out on here again sometime maybe yes um, i've got you i'm gonna text you but i got you on the books for the here in a couple weeks just like by yourself and we'll just talk i just want to talk about saltwater fishing for like two hours so yeah we'll do it it. all right buddy i'll see you later man later y'all see you dude
All right, so podcast ends here for all the podcast listeners. I appreciate you guys for listening. Go check out all the show notes so you can check out all the stuff. And we'll join see us you later. live next time, man. Join yeah. us live so you can be part of this awesome giveaway. Absolutely, absolutely. So a lot of people have left. So I hope the people who have left didn't enter the super chat giveaway because they're not going to hear that they won. Okay, but anyway, so uh, podcast people, bye. We love you. We'll see you next time. You guys are sweet. And now let's 